The discussions that take place during this episode may contain topics that are controversial, sensitive, explicit, offensive, and or an inaccurate or outdated representation and or mistreatment of marginalized peoples and or cultures. This content may not be appropriate for everyone. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to entertain. While we always do our best to present factual and researched information, this does not indicate that everything said on the We Watch Disney podcast is factually and or historically accurate. We encourage you, the listener, to engage in your own research as well. Please use discretion when enjoying our show. And now, let's get on with the show. Listening to You're listening to You're listening to You're listening to You're listening to the, the We Watch, Watch Disney, Disney Podcast. Podcast. Okay. And we're back. That was so good. quiet. Yeah, that was <laughs> very different than what I'm used to. <laughs> and we're back. Yes, it is the We Watch Disney Podcast, a place where we chronologically review everything through the decades on Disney+. Plus. Who do we got here? Julia! Hills, sorry. <laughs> I called you a guard. <laughs> sorry. On the show... You didn't say your name! It's Dan. Yeah, but like, you Dan, didn't go, I'm and Dan. Dan. Oh, and Dan, sorry. <laughs> Everybody knows who I am. <laughs> on the show this week, it is Christmas in August. You in the mood for the holidays yet or no? No. No? Yeah, Not it even was... after the movie? It was a little weird watching this movie during the middle of summer. I'm ready for Christmas. Oh, I'm not. Oh, well. I, I won't fall first. Yeah. Okay, fair. It is the 1947 classic uh, Miracle on 34th Street. Uh, we're also, I think we're also going to do a brief little review at the end for <gasps> not, not Christmas, a different holiday. Well, it's not Halloween. It's not Halloween, but it's closer to Halloween. Actually, according to Disney, yes, it is Halloween. Yeah, I know. Mickey's Not So Scary was just... Two nights ago? Yeah. Toya loves that her birthday is a full birthday. No. It's such <laughs> bullshit. My birthday is in August, I know. Guys. You get so angry. I do. <laughs> so we'll give our thoughts on that as well. But uh, Miracle on 34th Street, did Disney make this movie? No. No, they did not. So why are we talking about it? Because it's on Disney+. Plus. <gasps> why is it on Disney+, Plus? So Because isn't it 20th Century Fox? That's right. So the film was distributed by 20th Century Fox, not Disney. Yeah, passed. Um, you did. You did a very good job. <laughs> um, in 2017, November 2017, the Walt Disney Company is in negotiations with Rupert Murdoch to acquire 20th First Century Fox. That includes their film, cable, direct broadcast, everything, 20th Century Fox. Nat Geo is also part of that as well, and that's yeah. why you can find Nat Geo on there. The deal is finalized in 2019, and as a result, Disney now owns all these properties, and it's the reason why you can find it on their platform, like Miracle on 34th Street. And also you can find, like, The Simpsons, they're on Disney+, Plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. X-Men movies, Bob's Burgers, I think is on there too, maybe, or it's on, no, Hulu, it's on Hulu, which Disney also owns. So that's why. And with that out of the way, let's talk about Miracle on 34th Street. So, even though it's a Christmas movie, and even though we're reviewing it in August, this movie did not come out in November or December. It came out in June. Really? There's a reason for that, too. It's because the studio head, Daryl Zanuck, insisted that it be released in June because, in his mind, he argued that more people go to the movies during the summer than they do around the holidays. Um, I don't know if that's true. 
I don't know if that's... I mean, I understand... I... I don't know. I feel like more people go in the wintertime. Maybe not around the holidays because they're busy doing stuff for the holidays. Well, I think around... In the wintertime, I think people are more likely to go around the holidays than just like a random week in like... I don't know. November. Well, I feel like... In, I feel like people are more likely to go in like the wintry months because it's colder out and there's not as much outside stuff to do yeah yeah there's no beach there's no barbecues or stuff like that yeah, so. yeah. so like what are you gonna do on a friday night you're gonna go to the movies yeah yeah well this wasn't the original plan they had set out when they started making this movie so the studio had to scramble to promote it before it even came out with uh they had to scramble to promote it before it came out while keeping the fact that it was a christmas movie a secret Mm. So that's why I think you get the title like Miracle on 34th Street because it doesn't directly say anything Christmas related in the title. I guess. I mean, I get now in hindsight, we know like what the movie is. So it's kind of hard. But I guess back then, maybe it was a little more. Yeah, that's weird. I would be curious to see like the advertisements and stuff. For yeah, it. Even in the UK, it's released with a different title. It's called The Big Heart. That's all it's called. And that could just be about anything, really. Hmm. Movie was shot on location in New York City with the Thanksgiving Day Parade scenes also being filmed live during the 1946 parade. Oh, that's interesting. And, yeah, in fact, um, the film was shot during a particularly cold New York winter. So when they're doing all, a lot of these outdoor scenes, it's freezing outside. Mm -hmm. And the camera actually froze a couple times, too. That's funny. While filming. Huh. The shots inside Macy's on 34th Street were filmed on location in New York City at their flagship store on 34th Street as well. And you pointed this out, too. That's why a lot of the background actors, they're not background actors. They're, they're real shoppers? Yeah. They're just people shopping in the store. Oh, my God. That's so crazy. And yeah. you can see in some shots, like I remember seeing that there's the shot where, um, we're getting ahead, but when um, Chris Kringle gets into the car to be brought to Bellevue, yeah. there are people in the background that are just like watching to see what's yeah. going on because they know that they're filming something. Right. Oh my god, that's so funny. I yeah. totally missed that. Yeah. I want to go back and look now. <laughs> a main focus of the film is the competing nature between two giant department stores, Macy's and Gimbel's. Yeah. Um, poor Gimbel's. Poor Gimbel's, R.I.P. Um, both wanted to see the finished film before they gave any kind of approval on, you know, to use their likeness. Did they screw Gimbel's over? <laughs> they didn't use Gimbel's. Uh, they didn't screw them over, but if either side, if either side had refused... Um, the final product, and they didn't like the way they were portrayed. They had to go back and reshoot the film. Oh, oh my wow. god! Yeah, that that would have killed their budget. They would have just scrapped it probably. And they're already on a tight deadline. That we want this movie out in June, wow. so they have one shot at this kind of. And luckily for them, it passed both sides when that's they. Yeah, uh, yeah, both sides were happy with the way they were displayed in the final product. I feel like that's kind of surprising for Gimbals, but I don't know. They weren't really. They. I don't think they portrayed Gimbals in a. Poor light. No, they didn't, but I just feel like, I mean, it was obviously very Macy-centric, so yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, Macy's, obviously, everybody still knows Macy's. They're pretty popular. They're still around. Gimbal's, on the other hand, is not around anymore. Didn't they go out, when did they go out of business? They went was out it 87? Very good. Yeah, yeah oh. very good. 1987. They were pretty popular oh, in the... That's recent. Why did I think it was, like, two years ago? I don't know. Have you ever been to a Gimbal's? Maybe I'm thinking of FAO Schwartz. Maybe. But they're back. They are? They've been back. Yeah. I don't know. You can go to FAO Schwartz. I thought they... They did close. What's another Toys... Uh, toys R Us? No, not Toys <laughs> R Us. There's another, like... Um, K... Was it KB Toys? No. It's like... It was like a big... I think it's FAO Schwartz. I don't know. Whatever. Anyways, carry on. FYE? No. <laughs> <laughs> not not FYE. Mattel? <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, Gimbal's was... 
primarily Macy's biggest competitor in like the 50s and 60s. And um, at one point they had the largest sales revenue of any department store chain in the world. Yeah. Um, they would eventually shut down in 1987, like we said, after being acquired by the American subsidiary of uh, the British American, uh, British American Tobacco is who bought them. They also owned Marshalls, Coles, and Frederick and Nielsen. Um, and they eventually decided that Gimbel's just didn't have any more profit in them, and they were just a marginal performer, so they just decided to shut the division down in 1987. Rude. Yeah. But Coles is still around. Yeah, so that, it's If Marshalls. you like Coles. Yep. It's got great ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> How did this summer Christmas movie perform? Um, it was received mostly positive by critics. Um, some even noted that the movie is for those who have grown kind of cynical on Christmas and Santa or New York for that matter it would kind of change your heart on them um, stupid New York I'm yeah. just kidding I love New York it's considered to be one of the best films of 1947 and universally dubbed a Christmas classic on Rotten Tomatoes it holds an approval rate of 96% among critics and 87 among audiences and most people point to the heartwarming nature of the film and praise the performance of Edmund Gwynn, who is the uh, Chris Kringle, who's Santa mm-hmm. Claus, which mm-hmm. I would agree with that, I think. Yeah. The movie, I think, largely lives and dies with him. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Totally. If you don't have a good Santa in your Christmas then movie. Then what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you ain't got a Christmas movie. That's right. At the 1947 Academy Awards, it took home Best Screenplay, Best Writing, and Best Supporting Actor, which was won by Edmund Gwynn, which I think is weird, like... That he's the supporting actor in this film, like he's, he is. He's listed as supporting actor, and like in the credits, he's like I think listed third behind uh, Doris and uh, uh, fake Jimmy Stewart that they got. Oh, um, Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> but yeah, so he won best supporting actor, and he famously said in his acceptance speech, "Now he knows that there really is a Santa Claus." Mm. So. It would also be nominated for Best Picture that year, but ultimately lost to Gentleman's Agreement, which was another 20th Century Fox film starring Gregory Peck. So wow. three out of four it took. Okay. Three was it competing against down. any, I don't know if you'd know this, but I'm curious to know. Was it competing against any current Walt Disney films? I don't, I mean, not def- definitely not in Best Picture or anything like that. Um, during those Academy Awards, uh, they might have had something nominated for, like, Best Animation. <laughs> we might get to it would be interesting our to next know. one, maybe. I don't know. Um, there was Best Short Subject. In 1947, for Pluto's Blue Note, I guess it's a short. Sounds like it, yeah. It's a short. We don't like those. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think that, um, they won either. Did anyone else get another Christmas movie vibe from this film? Like a a different one? Um, I'm not big with, I don't really know a lot of movies. How about you over here? Did it give me a Christmas vibe? Like a, another Christmas movie. Like Christmas with the Cranks or something? I feel like it was really similar to It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it is. That but movie. that also came out like... Six months prior yeah, to this film. So. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what I was getting to. These films came out six months apart. And in my mind, they feel like very similar. Like there's a guy who is Fred Gailey... The with. same names? Well, no, no. there's Fred Gailey in Miracle on 34th Street, while the main character in It's a Wonderful Life is George Bailey. Oh. The guy that they got to play Fred Gailey looks like a poor man's Jimmy Stewart. It does. It looks like George Bailey a lot. And both films are like a man battling capitalism, kind of. 
You yeah. know what I mean? And like just like battling the law kind of. It's almost. a Christmas movie as well? Yeah. You never saw It's a Wonderful Life? No. I kind of wish we reviewed that because that was really was that that's not, a good one. Is that not on Disney Plus? No. No, mm. but it's a really good movie. You would love it. That's a Universal film. <gasps> it's on Peacock. You never, you never saw it, really? Really, I'm not a big movie person. I think it, I never saw this movie. This was the first time I ever watched this movie. If you liked, but I feel like It's a Wonderful Life is way more famous than this movie. If you like this movie, I feel like you would also like It's a Wonderful Life. They're you very, will very like, similar. you will like It's a Wonderful Life. You will. Okay. It's like a very feel good story. You will yeah. like it. I'll watch it. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Exactly. I don't have a bell, but I would. Yeah. I'll put a little bell noise here. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, a remake of this was made in 1994, starring Richard Attenborough, who is uh, from Jurassic Park. Yeah. Um, I forget, what's his character's name in Jurassic Park? The uh, doctor. Um, you mean... The old um, guy. Um, oh, like the guy who made it? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, what's his name? Well, anyway, him. It's... You don't even give me a chance, <laughs> my God. It's something with an H. Don't look at me. Hammond. Hammond. John yeah. Hammond. Dr. Hammond, that's right. Yeah. Richard Attenborough uh, from Dr. Isn't Jurassic Park. Wait, Bur are you saying Attenberg? Attenborough. Attenborough. You're saying Attenberg. Richard Attenborough from Jurassic Park, okay. who plays... What's his name? Hammond. <laughs> <laughs> John Hammond. Here's an easier name. And Mara Wilson, who is uh, Matilda. Yeah. She plays Susie. Yeah. Um, biggest difference between the two films is that Macy's refused to give permission this time around, mm. citing that they felt that the original stands on its own and could not be improved upon. Okay. So they were. That's fair. They were replaced by Coles, but That's not stupid. But not that Coles. Oh. C O L E apostrophe S. Oh. Yeah, and since Gimbal's is no longer in existence, they were replaced by the fictional Shoppers Express. Interesting. It's getting better and better. They should use like JC Penny and Sears or right? something. Yeah, like what the I've, heck? I've never seen this one, but apparently the film has a more uh, serious tone. And a larger portion of the plot was rewritten and added a subtext where which describes concerns about like religious faith. Oh. We're gonna be watching that one in like fifty years, right? Yeah, well, because it's coming up in the when did it come that one come out? Nineteen ninety four. Oh you just said ninety seven. I said ninety four. No, you didn't. Well, we're on tape, so I'll know if it's 94 or 7. Check the tape. Uh, this version received mixed reviews from TV Guide, and calling it, quote, curiously depressing. This Which, one? I this can one. See, I can no, see. Not, not the one we watched. The, oh, the, the remake one. Okay. You okay? I'm still stuck on the 97 thing. I'm pretty Do sure Do we have I said, to pause it and check right now? I'm pretty sure I said 94. Well, let's just go with I said 94. Miracle on 34th Street, an elderly gentleman named Chris Kringle creates a stir when he's hired as Macy's in-store Santa Claus for the holiday season. Yeah, but wait, you're going to describe how he gets hired, right? You're not going to talk about the drunk man in the beginning of the parade? Yeah. That's just the summary on Disney+. Plus. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm just giving you a little, little synopsis. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Released on June 11th, 1947, rated PG with a runtime on Disney+, Plus of 1 hour, 37 minutes, and 2 seconds. Directed by George Seaton, produced by William Pearlberg, distributed by 20th Century Fox, starring Maureen O'Hara, John Payne, Edmund Gwynn, and Natalie Wood. R.I.P. R.I.P. We'll get to her. Yeah, well, I'll tell you about her. Yeah, I'll learn. Yeah, it's pretty sad. It oh is sad. Oh my god. Yeah, and a little weird too, I'll talk about that. Wait, who was that? That's Natalie Susie. Oh, you know what? My mom said something, because I told my mom yesterday that I watched this movie, and I was like, Mom, why did you never 
make me watch this movie. And she was like, oh, it's such a good movie. Oh, it's so sad what happened to the little girl. And I'm like, what? And then she's like, yeah, with the house. I'm like, mom, I still have 30 minutes left to watch. You spoiled it. And she was like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> then I changed the subject. So I don't know what she was talking about. but Well, I'll just put your mind at ease. She doesn't die as a child. Okay. No, much later. But not much later. Well, she's a young She's young when she dies. Like, way yeah. too young. And her death is kind of tragic. We'll get to it. Okay. We open up with our opening credits on screen as we follow behind a man with a top hat and a cane walking the streets of New York City. Santa! <laughs> we don't know that yet. <laughs> uh, this is our main character for the movie. It's Chris Kringle. It's Santa! <laughs> <laughs> I know him. As mentioned, this is Edwin uh, Edmund Gwynn. This is probably his most famous role, but he would also appear in other movies such as Mr. 880, The Trouble with Harry, and the 1940 version of Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. You knew that? I've seen every Pride and Prejudice. But you knew this was him? Um, yeah. You, who is he? Oh, don't ask me things like that. Does he play Santa in all these movies? He's Santa in Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> no, does he play Mr. Um, Mr. Bennett? Ah, oh, very yeah. good, Mr. Bennett. I've seen every Pride and Prejudice ever made ever multiple times. <laughs> I've seen zero of them. Oh my Quick, god. Which one's your favorite? The Kira Knightley version is my favorite. Mm. But that's because the Mr. Darcy is so cute. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> he is, and I like the Mr. Bingley in that one too. Oh, he's, he's a little so ginger. <laughs> uh, by all accounts from the cast and crew, uh, Edmund Gwynn was beloved by everybody, remarking that he was always happy, smiling with a twinkle in his eye. And Maureen O'Hara even said that uh, halfway through shooting, he really felt like Santa. Santa Claus and like they were like believing that this was Santa Claus. Because like, he is Santa Claus. Naturally suited for the role. After the You know who we thought would make a really good Santa one day when when we all like have kids and stuff? Oh. Michael. Oh yeah. Michael. With his blue eyes and stuff. Yeah, he, he needs the a bellowing he, voice. He needs a gray beard. Yeah. yeah. After the credits stop, he walks up to a window of a store where inside a worker is setting up Christmas decorations in the display. The reindeer. He's it was put, on Thanksgiving Day, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, this is Thanksgiving Day. I know. This is why is, that why guy is there? he? Yeah, why is he? he? And he says the store is closed. Yeah, but then he's still there. Somebody's got to put him. Hey, I mean, maybe he's getting Disney? rid of Black Friday. Was that a thing then? I don't know. <laughs> hey, Disney Disney World, the workers are working on holidays. Okay. <laughs> this is like this is mom and pop store. <laughs> like, what are you talking yeah, about? This is like a mom and pop shop yeah. on. Well, he's placing reindeer uh, for Santa's sleigh in the window, but Chris Kringle informs him that he has placed them all wrong and out of order. And the worker could care less about this, and he kind of just shoes him away, like, okay, thank you. And he said, I think Comet has, like, four antlers, not three, or some shit like that. And he's like, but you wouldn't know that. And it's like, well, yeah, I wouldn't. There's You're really right. nothing between any of them distinguishing them. They all look exactly the same. Except Rudolph, who is not technically part of this, because he is the not the property. He's, like private property of uh whoever made that you know what's interesting about that too when um later on when doris is looking at his employment card mm -hmm. and he's got his next of kin listed there i was like why doesn't he list rudolph he Ooh, lists all the other i ones. took a picture of that yeah that that's, makes so much more yeah, sense yeah because rudolph is intellectual property oh. also i don't know what year that came out so i don't know if that's even a thing yet that's true that could have been after this i feel like it might have been i'm not sure I didn't even think about that throughout this whole thing, that, like, Rudolph just doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't think, yeah. I don't think wow. he came out yet. I think he came out in the 50s. Okay. Oh, I took a picture of that. 
of his um, employment card because I wanted to Google his address. Oh, we, <laughs> we did that too. It doesn't exist though. No, it doesn't. Neither does the name of the place. That was yeah. the first thing I did. Yeah. Pause. I was like, look it up. Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Chris Kringle then hears jingle bells off in the distance and walks off to see where it's coming from. It's coming from Macy's annual Thanksgiving Day Parade. Uh, we then meet Doris Walker, who is behind the scenes of the parade, directing people on where they're supposed to be. Doris is played by uh, Maureen O'Hara, most notably from this, uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame in 1990, uh, 1939, The Quiet Man, and The Trap in 1961. Mm-hmm. She's interrupted by Mr. Shellhammer as he frantically works with Doris to get everything ready for the parade that's about to go on. Um, it seems like they've had months and months to prepare for this, but they're just, like, running around, like, chaotically trying to You've direct everybody. You've worked retail before. You know day of stuff is always crazy. I know yeah, this I isn't so. exactly retail, but it's the same kind of premise. The mm-hmm. holidays are stressful. Um, the guy they got for Mr. Shellhammer, did he, he, to me, he looks like a young Walt Disney. Yeah, He's got the pointed nose and the mustache and, and the slick back hair. He Maybe looks it was exactly, just the style. I yeah, guess so. it must have just been Yeah, Walt style. probably looked like everybody back then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris Kringle observes the Santa in the parade from the street and notices that he doesn't have his whip down right. Um, so he just walks backstage. Nobody stops him. Yeah, Nobody yeah says he's anything. just like, oh, hey. There's no security back yeah. then. Nope. They didn't the, city was, right the city was a safe place to be. <laughs> uh, yeah. On the float, we see that the Santa that they have got is very, very intoxicated. Poor guy. He's completely he's a drunk. Time. Yeah. He needs to stay warm. He does. It's freezing outside, I know. Uh, Chris tries to show the drunk Santa how to whip properly, but eventually Chris can smell the alcohol on his breath. He shames the drunken Santa and calls him a disgrace to the tradition of Christmas. I gotta do something to keep warm. <laughs> uh, you notice any time in like movies whenever they get somebody to like play santa in the movie it's always somebody that's like drunk and down on their luck yeah. and just like stumbling yeah mess. it's never any like anyone who just like genuinely loves to play santa Do no you, it's, it's always like somebody off the street like like a homeless person like hey can you be santa like, yeah and nobody everybody wants to be Santa. it's kind of weird and i'm like but wouldn't like maybe somebody who like plays Santa like really just loves it? Maybe like the people who do that in like the department stores and stuff. Or I like to think there yeah. there are people who like they look forward to it like all year. Like they there's like, like they, competitions. Yeah, yeah, there's there's SantaCon in the city. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just feel I don't know. I I feel like if I was gonna play Santa, like I would be all in. I'd be like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm gonna play Santa. Grow out my white beard gonna, and everything. Yeah, you'd be like <laughs> Alfred, who takes quite joy in it. Yeah, movie. like yeah. Alf, that was his name. I yeah. was trying to think of it. I liked him. Yeah, me too. Chris then seeks out who's in charge of the parade and asks uh, Shirley Temple lookalike. Yeah, so, okay, so fun fact. Okay, we had to stop it at this point because I was like, I was like, I feel like Shirley Temple's in this movie, but older. And Dan's like, what? And I'm like, okay. So the girl with the baton, mm-hmm. you remember her? Mm-hmm. My dad, growing up, my dad and my grandfather told me my whole life, that that was Shirley Temple. They were like, yeah, that's Shirley Temple. And I'm like, okay. And like, I believed it because she kind of looks like her. But then when we were talking about it the other night when we watched the movie, I was like, you know, maybe it's one of those things that like people just say, because I couldn't, yeah. find, like she wasn't in the credits or anything. Like, it's kind of weird. So I looked it up and apparently it's a very, very common misconception. People do in fact think that that's Shirley, Te- Shirley Temple. It is not her. And it's one of those things like pre-internet, uh, people just kind of like said and oh, believed. Who's going to call been, them out on it? Yeah, it's yeah. been passed down for, for generations. generations. And I'm like, wow, I feel really dumb now. But <laughs> I never thought to fact check it. I believe what my dad told me. Well, now you do a podcast where Joe. that's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, here we are, informing the people. And this burst, is where you get the facts. Yep. And bursting your bubble. It's okay. I mean, I don't really care. I just... Thought he I didn't know any better. Cool. It's not even your dad's fault. No, he no. believed his father. Yep. Damn it, Grandpa. What the hell? <laughs> Somebody probably told him, too. Who? No. Uh, I no. feel like he was yeah, a he kid. Was around yeah, he was yeah. around. He said, that's Shirley Temple. <laughs> yeah, he decided it was he, Shirley he Temple. Did. He was like, you know who that is? That's Shirley Temple. And then he just told everybody he knew. <laughs> Chris informs Doris that their Santa is drunk, which she's alarmed by this. Uh, the two confront the drunk Santa and decide he cannot possibly go out there. Doris asks Chris on a whim if he would mind playing Santa in the parade and helping her out. He's reluctant at first, but eventually realizes that the children must not be disappointed. Well, it's all about the kids. It's all about the kids. Obviously. Um, and then two clown workers come by to strip the Santa of his clothes. <laughs> They're like, get his robe off and yeah. yeah, just leave him yeah. nude leave, in leave, the street. Leave him outside in the cold <laughs> naked. poor guy. He's yeah. probably like, what did I do? <laughs> I just thought there was two clowns that came yeah. <laughs> and he's And now he's even more cold. I know, he's yeah. gonna need to drink even more. This is a horrible cycle he's got himself in. <laughs> Poor guy. The parade goes off without a hitch with Chris properly playing Santa to a cheering crowd. Uh, Mr. Shellhammer is very pleased with this year's Santa and asks Doris if, uh, who, if she'll continue watching the parade back from her house because their job is done for the day, to which she declines to do so. Yeah. She's not really interested in the parade, or Christmas for that matter. No, not even a little bit. She just wants to go home and take a bath. Um, <laughs> I wrote here, Shellhammer sounds like he's from the Flintstones. Oh. Like, no, like the name, like Mr. Mr. Shell. Well, it sounds like a name from the Flintstones. Like, that would be like Fred Flintstone's boss, oh, like Mr. Yeah, yeah. Shellhammer. Shell yeah, it yeah. does. A hammer made out of a shell. Mm -hmm. Doris returns home from uh, her from her, from her her work. and I'm sorry. I, this is a little off topic, but it's in reference to Shellhammer. And I just need to say it because it's just like a weird thought I had. So, you know how, like, sometimes names are symbolism? Mm-hmm. To me, Shellhammer, like, I always subconsciously, like, pictured it like a turtle, like he's a, like a turtle who, like, is afraid to come out of his shell because he's such, like, a nervous guy. He did, know. he did come across that way because mm. he was below, um, Doris, right? Yeah. yeah. She, he worked below her. Mm -hmm. And the way he looks, he gives off, like, villain vibes. But he's really not a bad guy. No, he's not. No, he's I nice. thought he was going to be a bad guy, yeah. too, when he, like, overheard Santa saying yeah. to go to Gimbal's. I was yeah. like, oh, no. And he's got, like, the uptight look and, like, the... Yeah. yeah. He's really a nice guy. He is a nice no, yeah, guy. I mean, he does get his wife drunk on purpose. That's okay. She she could have used a, a fun night. It's fine. <laughs> she looked like she had a good time. <laughs> she did. She didn't know how to hold the phone. <laughs> Listen, if Pull I don't answer there. the phone like that... <laughs> Uh, Dor Anyways. <laughs> Doris returns home um, and finds that her daughter Susie is watching the parade at the apartment across the hall, who is which is owned by Fred Gailey. And we can just like see all the like window through window through window. We can just see everything. Yeah, I guess the windows in her apartment just like she's got a view of the other apartment, like what they're going. Excellent. Like yeah. Uh, Mr. Gailey is played by John Payne, who is known for this primarily, and he was also the lead role in a Western television show called The Restless Gun. Ooh. Yeah. Susie. I thought it was weird that they were okay with this kid just being in this man's apartment alone. I thought so too, but... And he just kept saying, he's like, I'm very fond of you. Yeah, and I'm, I'm very like, fond yeah, of you. Yeah, I'm, I'm very like, fond of mm. Susie, and I'm like, are you? Are, why are you so fond of Susie? Yeah. What's going on? Like, but... I had to keep telling myself it was a different time. It, I, it was a different yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. I, fe I felt the same way, but I was like, today? No. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Susie is played by Natalie Wood. 
Uh, she would go on after this movie to have quite the career. She appeared in movies like Rebel Without a Cause, West Side Story, Splendor in the Grass, and Love with a Proper Stranger. Sadly, though, her career would be cut short at 43 when she accidentally drowned. In the Pacific Ocean. And it's kind of a mysterious case where all that is really known is that she drowned. But it's never been determined. Was it on set? Was she like, no. oh, was she like at the beach on a boat? She was on like a private yacht with... <clears throat> Her husband. Excuse me, with her husband and some friends. One of which I think was actually Christopher Walken. Oh. Yeah. Um, but it's a mysterious case where um, they don't know how she was in the water in the first place. Like, what led to her falling over the side. Um, it happened in the middle of the night. And there's a lot of he said, she said about what happened. And there was an argument between her and her husband um, by those who were on the boat. And her body turned up on shore. She had bruises, but no indication of how or when she got them. If somebody gave them to her or if it was falling over the yeah. side in the water, whatever it may be. And to this day, uh, nobody has been formally charged and there's been no concrete conclusion on what happened. Yeah, like they don't know if it was an accident or if it was foul play. Like they're, or they're like st that. It's still like an open case and like they're looking into it as late as I think it's for like 2019. Really? Yeah. Wow. So like You're crazy. Every now and then, like new evidence will get introduced, and like which like yeah. Okay. <laughs> so know? the cause of death is drowning, but whether it was done by somebody or intentional or just a, an accident, like she, maybe she like had a couple drinks and yeah. then just fell, fell to the side or whatever. No determination. I mean, what yeah, happened. or maybe she just like just slipped. I mean, if it was nighttime, then it was yeah. dark. You don't yeah. really see where you're. I don't know. Makes me think of White Lotus, honestly. Me yeah. too. Mm -hmm. Susie watching the parade with Fred talks about how the parade has changed year to year as her mom tells her all about the floats. Um, through their conversation, it becomes clear that Susie doesn't believe in fairy tales and giants and is brought up Jack under... Jack the Beanstalk. Yeah, she's brought up under realistic ideas, not fantasies, courtesy of her mother. Thanks, Mom. I mean, I get it. I but do come too. on, let the kid have some fun. I, I get it too. Like, I get if you don't want to, like, read fairy tales to your kid or, like, tell your kid fairy tales like that. But I feel like it's very, very unusual to not have your child believe in Santa Claus. Yeah, and to not even, like, be able to play make-believe and stuff like yeah. that. I don't know. Also, like, like her resistance must suck. I know. Also, I feel like that's so detrimental to, like, where she goes to school, like other mm -hmm. kids, you know yeah. what I mean? Like... Yeah, well, yeah, because you, she's definitely that type. Susie yeah. was definitely the type of kid that would be like, there is no Santa Claus. So all her friends and all her friends were like, <gasps> yep. Yep. She informs Fred that she's never met her father and her parents divorced <laughs> when she was just a baby. Doris comes over to collect her daughter, but stays for a cup of coffee. Doris thanks Fred for being so kind to Susie. She even heard from Cleo, that her housekeeper across the hall, that Fred took uh, Susie to the zoo the other day. Yeah, and I was like, why are you taking this kid out? What are you doing? He's what? very fond of her. It's very creepy to and me. And Cleo's just like, yeah, go for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah take well, her out. Well, I do, I do think the line was that he took them to the zoo. I think Cleo oh, went. Oh, her too? I think she oh, went to the zoo with them. Okay. But still, I think it's a little weird. That it's... would never happen today. I would never allow that today. I would be like, what do you mean you took my kid to the zoo and I didn't know? What do you, what do you mean? What yeah, do you mean? What do you mean? It's different time. <laughs> it's different time. But it, gives, it gives off major creeper vibes. It does. Yeah. Yeah. He also wants to be friends with Susie because he's also very interested in Doris as well. And he read that one of the best ways to befriend a mother is to befriend the child. Yeah, that's like classic manipulation from the 40s and also creepy. Mm -hmm. yeah. Excellent. 
Doris and Fred discuss how Susie doesn't believe in Santa or fairy tales or anything like that, and Doris is quite proud of that and feels that we should be truthful and honest with our children and not have them growing up believing in legends and myths. Because it doesn't prepare them for the real world. Mr. Gailey seems disheartened by this, and he, but he accepts... Being, being experienced as a parent, obviously. He doesn't push her, though. He doesn't argue. <laughs> he just kind of accepts it before Doris and Lucy get, uh, Lucy. Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> Susie get up to leave. Poor Lucy. Poor <laughs> <laughs> loser. Uh, before they do, Susie asks her mom if Fred can come over for dinner, which soon becomes obvious that Fred put her up to some more manipulation. Yeah. To, yeah, get with yeah, Doris. She, she's like, did I do good? Yeah. <laughs> but Doris eventually agrees and invites him over for well, dinner. Well, it is Thanksgiving. He's I alone. Know. Yeah. I know. He's already taken her to the zoo. I completely forgot it was Thanksgiving because that makes dinner at three so much more make more yeah. so much more sense. I was oh, like yeah. dinner at three. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that does make sense. And he was like, he was like, I'm sure I'll just have a sandwich or something. Yeah. I think I have some breadcrumbs. Yeah. Later <laughs> like I was like, this poor man just invited him to dinner. I know. As the parade wraps up, Mr. Shellhammer and Doris talk on the phone about how wonderful Santa was this year. He pitches to her the idea of bringing him onto the Macy's staff as their store Santa, as he would do wonders. Woo. Well, I mean, what are you gonna do? Have drunky McDrunk? Oh, do you think he was? Person? Do you think he was a Macy Santa too? Yeah. Oh man, Macy's in. I bet you Gimbal's oh, yeah, has I a didn't nice even Santa. Think of that. The next day, in the workers' locker room, Chris Kringle dresses for his first day at work. He meets Alfred, who is the seventeen-year-old janitor. Alfred. I love Alfred. He was nice. Yeah. Yeah, he was a nice little supporting actor. He, he struck me as like a nice Italian boy. Yeah. I don't know if he was Italian, Italian but that's he what he sounded like. <laughs> he looked like, um, what's the guy's name from My Cousin Vinny? Oh, Ralph Macchio? Yeah. Yeah. He, he did look yeah. like him, yeah. yeah. Alfred talks about how he plays Santa over at the Y, and he tells Chris that he enjoys playing Santa because he loves seeing the kids' faces when they receive pre presents from Santa. Literally, who doesn't love giving people presents? I love giving, I love giving people I presents. I love giving people presents. I'm so excited for your birthday present. <laughs> Did I tell you what I got her? No, I have no clue. I'm going to tell you. Oh, okay. Uh, Mr. Shellhammer then comes down and greets Santa and gives him tips on how to play Santa. He gives him a list of toys based on what they're overstocked on in the store. When he encounters a child who is undecided on what they want, he has to pitch one of the toys to them. That's so terrible. Yeah, well... I could never. I was not good at retail because I didn't do stuff like that. Yeah, Chris doesn't like this idea because he feels that it's not in the spirit of Christmas to trick children into something they don't even know what they want. Yeah. He hates commercialism. Yeah. On the floor for Chris's first day at work, he talks to a boy named Peter who wants a fire engine just like the big ones, only smaller. It has a real hose. It squirts <laughs> live water. He won't do it in the house. He'll only do it in the backyard. He promises. He promises. <laughs> that kid was so funny because Dan was like, what did he say? And I'm like, I think it was something like he wants one with a real hose that squirts water and he'll only do it in outside, not in the house. <laughs> You got it right. I yeah. did get it right. It's because I worked at a daycare. Yeah. <laughs> His mother whispers to Chris that Macy's doesn't have any. In fact, nobody does. Chris doesn't take the hint very well, and he tells Peter that since he's been a good boy, he'll get a fire engine, much to his mom's displeasure. And she's like, she's like, I want to thank Santa too. Yeah, she's like, run along, I need to talk to him. And yeah. I'm like, where is your child going alone in this busy department store? They don't give a shit. <laughs> this mom, by the way, is very, uh, meh, see? Yeah. She's yeah. from other stuff. I forget her name, but she's from other things. I didn't look her up. Every single character in this movie is uh, what I thought was, like, very Italian. Like a, a, yeah. like a caricature. Of even, like, yeah. even uh, Alfred. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. sure, you know? Yeah. Like, like they're he they had very heavy New York accents. Yeah. 
the mom pulls Chris aside and asks what's the matter with him. Chris informs... <laughs> what's the, the matter with you? <laughs> yeah. uh, Chris informs the mom, though, that they have the same fire engine that this uh, boy is looking for at Schoenfeldt's on Lexington, Lexington Avenue. Uh, the mother is confused why a Macy's employee would uh, send someone to another store. I don't get it. She just doesn't get it. She doesn't get it. Um, but Santa tells the mother that all that matters is that the children are made happy regardless on who profits it or who doesn't. Mm-hmm. I agree. So then Mr. Shellhammer comes down to listen in on Santa and see how he's doing on his first day. And he overhears another conversation with another child. Um, but he hears him telling his parent... Uh, this other child's parent that while they have skates here at Macy's Gimbal's has better ones. Yeah, exactly. And Mr. Shellhammer is horrified to hear this and he walks away not sure what to do. He's got somebody sending one of his employees sending customers to other stores. Um, But before he can act on anything he's stopped by Peter's mother from before and she wants to congratulate Macy's on putting the spirit of Christmas ahead of commercial uh, commercialism and being willing to send customers to other stores rather than sell them something of their own. Heck yeah. Yeah. And as a result, she tells Mr. Shellhammer that she will be a regular Macy's customer from now on. Yeah. Even though she never used to really shop there. Because Macy's. Yeah, because they didn't have fire engines. That's right. Yeah. With real hoses. And then back in his office, Mr. Shellhammer, his secretary tells him that more women are here and they want to congratulate him as well. Yeah. Did you notice what was over his shoulder in his office? No. A fire engine. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny. I thought that was funny. <laughs> we then see Mr. Gailey in line to meet Santa along with Susie. She tells Fred that it seems rather silly, but Fred, um, I guess against his her mother's wishes, decides... What is he doing taking the kid to the store? What is he doing, like... Okay, I don't agree with her parenting style, but it's not my kid. It's her kid. Yeah. Was so, this still Thanksgiving, by the way? No. no oh, it was just, the next day. Yeah. Well, Victoria, you're forgetting one thing. This is a man in the 40s, so he knows better. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, George. My <laughs> mistake, George. Have you seen those videos? No. Like the, it's, no? Have you, you might have seen them on Reels. Mm-hmm. It's like a woman and a, it's a husband and wife, and they're like playing like a 1950s char- characters, and the husband's name is George, and I forget the woman's name, but it's like basically her just being like a... Obedient. Bowing down to him and everything. Drugged up, lobotomized type, oh. and he's like... Now, listen here, I won't have any witchcraft. And she's like, you're right, George. Remember that time I went outside? And it's like very, yeah. And he's like, yeah, you're right. And you embarrass me. Never doing that again. And it was, yeah. So anyway, sorry. That's Moving right along. <laughs> uh, Fred and Susie are now next to meet Santa. And Susie is still skeptical of the whole thing. Chris senses her doubt and tells her to pull, pull his beard to show that he's really Santa. Because I guess anyone with a long white beard must really be Santa. Well, Nobody yeah. else owns one. Uh, Santa asks Susie what she wants for Christmas, and she responds with nothing. If it's sensible and doesn't cost too much, her mother will get it for her. Yeah. Uh, Doris arrives and politely pulls Susie away from Santa. Seems like Doris makes a good living. I don't know why it needs to not cost so much, but... Well, as long as it's realistic. Like, actually something she needs. Mm, She doesn't splurge. Yeah, clothes. You can get some nice clothes. And books. Yeah. She's still a single mom. Mm, You're right, she is. Living in Manhattan. In a nice, nice apartment. Back then it was cheap. Yeah. With the housekeeper. Yeah. She makes good money, that's what I'm saying. Uh, Doris pulls Fred aside and she tells Fred that she expects him to respect her decisions as Susie's mother, to which he acknowledges, even if he doesn't agree with it, which he ultimately does agree to do so. He's one of the good ones. (laughs) (laughs) 
the bar is so low. Yeah. <laughs> Agreeing yeah. with the woman. Okay. It's like, I didn't agree the first time, but now, okay, fine. You said it again. Yeah. I'll listen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Next, we see uh, Chris meets a little Dutch girl who was recently adopted and doesn't speak any English. This, did you, were you listening to this part? Like, was this? She was orphaned and they just adopted her and she didn't speak any English. Yeah, but like, I was listening to it and I was like, wait, wait. She came over on a boat, like as a refugee, I think. Her parents died. Like, where did they die? Did they die on the boat? I don't know. Did she, like, flee to come uh, here alone? The, like, what happened where this kid's parents died? Why is she not traumatized? How the fuck did they adopt her? Do they speak Dutch? Like, I'm confused. I'm assuming she does speak. The mom does speak Dutch. I don't know why she wouldn't translate. But I don't Maybe know. she doesn't. Why did you get so confused? Because all I did was, like, cry at this oh, scene. Oh, no, I mean, it's a very emotional scene. But I was just thinking about it, like, what happened to her parents? How did they die? When did they die? What's going on? Like, I just want to know. I'm just a little nosy. I just figured she was orphaned from another country. You know, like, you can adopt kids from, like, other countries and stuff. That's kind of what I thought, too. Yeah. It was like that. Yeah, they don't do that anymore, really. Mm. A lot of countries don't want us adopting yeah, children. I don't blame them. Me either. I wouldn't, wouldn't want American adopting my kids anymore. Do they get your own children? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Her newly adopted mother told her that Santa wouldn't be able to understand her, but when she saw him in the parade yesterday, the little girl insisted on meeting Sinterklaas. Because he was a real... Sinterklaas. He's a he's yeah. a real Sinterklaas. That's right. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, Chris Kringle starts uh, speaking Dutch to the little girl, much to the amazement of everybody, including the little girl herself. And Susie's watching nearby, and she witnesses the whole thing. And she's like, "Wow!" The two share a conversation with a uh, conversation with each other, and even sing a Dutch Christmas song together. Yeah, it was cute. It was so cute. In the 1994 version, I'm pretty sure it was the 94 version. They changed it from a Dutch child to a deaf child, and he signs with the kid. Oh, that's cute, too. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want to know what the conversation they're having is? I would imagine it's something like... Yeah, they didn't translate it. Have you been a good girl this year? It's... Um, What do you want? Yeah, Yeah, like... The the conversation being had is uh, Santa asking what she wants for Christmas, with the little girl saying that she wants nothing, telling him she got her gift by being adopted by her new mother. I actually did know that. Yeah. And that's when they sing the song together. Dan's, like, gonna cry. No, I'm good. Oh, okay. It was really cute, though, this scene. Like, if I saw this in real life, I probably would have just, like, melted right there. You know, why didn't they... I wonder why they didn't put the subtitles. They just said, like, speaking in Dutch in the captions. They were too lazy to translate. Later on, Susie and Doris are discussing what Susie saw with the Dutch girl. Um, Doris is insistent that just because he spoke Dutch, that doesn't make him Santa. She speaks French, but that doesn't make her Joan of Arc. Which, okay... I mean, I get her point. Like, yeah, but I feel like it's un- uncommon to find somebody like at this time who would be able to speak Dutch. Dutch is pretty obscure. Yeah. Yeah. Chris joins the two in her office, and she uh, because she called him up to her office. Uh, Doris asks Chris to please tell Susie that he is not the real Santa Claus. Chris regrets to inform her. Fortunately, he is Santa Claus. Doris asks for his employment card from her secretary, I guess, Mm -hmm. Um, and upon reading it, she sees that he is originally from the North Pole. His address now is Brooks Memorial Home for the Age, which it says it's in Great Neck, Long Island, which we're from Long Island, Mm -hmm. so naturally all of us were like, is this a real place? Is this a real place? But it does not exist. (laughs) No, it's not. Um, His date of birth is as old as my tongue and and a little bit older than my teeth. Yep. 
And like I said before, his next of kin is all his reindeer except for Rudolph. Yep. And his name is, in fact, Chris Kringle. Chris Kringle. By the way, this is like totally off topic, but I always kind of got the impression that Doris's office is in the basement because it, I didn't see any windows. She, it struck me as like a basement, oh, we have to give this person an office kind of <laughs> Give the thing. woman the office in the that. basement. Yeah. I felt like they had so much space for like the employees in the offices because I felt like they were walking those hallways yeah, forever. I know. I Bro, just assumed they were all upstairs though. They had a store psychiatrist. Yeah. And, a, yeah. and what I assume is a, a store doctor. Yeah. Like office. So weird. Like, yeah. is, was that a normal thing back then? What happened? Know. Doris can't make any sense of this and asks to talk to Chris by herself. She informs Chris that unfortunately they're going to have to make a change at Santa, lying about how the previous Santa they had is back in town, and they feel it's only fair to give him his position back. A.K.A. you're fired, you psychopath. Yeah, but in the middle of their conversation, Mr. Macy buzzes for Doris to come up to his office. When Doris goes to Mr. Macy's office, they're all delighted to see her. Mr. Shellhammer is there as well. <laughs> and Mr. Macy informs them that while he isn't too happy with them deciding to do this publicity stunt without consulting advertising, he is thrilled by the public re- uh, the public reception of it all. Yeah. By the way, uh, R.H. Macy passed away in 1877, long before this movie came out, so this is just... Well, well, I, well I think I told you while we were watching it that they actually, they wouldn't have owned it anyway because they sold it before That's right, he passed yeah. away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they sold it in 57? I don't remember. I think I thought, right. I thought it was 57 or 58. Mr. Macy informs the higher-ups that are also in on this meeting that effective immediately, all employees will start directing customers to other stores, competitors, to find what they want. Did the Macy's pass away on the Titanic? I don't know. I thought they did. Maybe. You might be right. I would love to look it up. Oh, I can look it up. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I just thought I remember hearing that, but I could be wrong. I've been wrong a lot today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny. I googled how did the Macy's family pass away, and one of the like related things is what famous couple died on the Titanic. Oh yeah, co-owner Rosalie Ida Strauss was a German-American homemaker and wife of Isidore Strauss, U.S. congressman and co-owner of Macy's department store. She and her husband died during the sinking on the Titanic. So, not this guy. The other one. The other one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Because I, I think that. that they highlight them in the movie. The old couple that's like in the bed at the end. Oh, that's that's them? supposed to be them. Wow. Yeah. Did not know that. Interesting. Mr. Macy informs the higher ups that effective immediately all employees will start directing customers to other stores, even if it's their competitors. They set up like a pamphlet, like a whole book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Macy's will now be known as the helpful store, the friendly store, and the store with a heart. Yeah. At first, when I saw them making this book of all of the other competitors, like flyers, they like used a paintbrush to glue it, but at first I was like, oh my god, what are they painting? I can't see. It's black and white. <laughs> I don't know what color they're painting, but then I realized it was glue. By the way, there is a color version of this. Yeah. Like, this was one of the first film. I had this at the end. This is one of the first films that was remastered into color. Mm-hmm. And Disney does not have it for some yeah, reason. Yeah, I don't Disney understand. Plus. It was annoying because you remember you looked at it and like the little picture. Yeah, they do. It's this. in color. And we. And <laughs> And we're all excited. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be in color. And then I'm watching it. I'm like, it's not. It's not Maybe it was going to be like a Wizard of Oz type yeah. thing where half of it is in color. I really thought like somewhere in this movie, all right, it's got to turn to color eventually. No. It really didn't bother me as much as I thought it would. No, but I was. it was just weird how like the thumbnail is in color, it, uh-huh. the preview image is in color, and uh-huh. then the movie's just in black and white. I don't mind black and white. I actually like black and white films, but this movie, I feel like, lends itself very well to color. Mm-hmm. So I was excited to see it in color, mm-hmm. but... 
Doris and Mr. Shellhammer are confused by the praise and the bonuses that they've received, and Doris informs them that unfortunately he just uh, she just fired Santa for. Oopsie. Yeah, uh, Mr. Shellhammer tells her that she must get him back immediately, fearing that he might be crazy. They compromise and come to the conclusion that they should first at least have him examined by Mr. Sawyer, the store's psycho- psychologist. The store psycho, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Doris comes back to her office and tells Chris that they're keeping him on as Santa. Um, he's happy to hear this, and he feels that Christmas is a frame of mind, which is something that's becoming lost. He'll use this opportunity to maybe do something about the changing nature of it all. If he can win over Doris and Susie, then there's still hope, he says. Yep, no pressure. Yeah. Doris informs Chris that tomorrow morning he has a psychological test with Mr. Sawyer. He thinks nothing of it as he's passed multiple, uh, multiple tests before yeah. um, and demonstrates it to Doris. <laughs> he even shows off his knowledge by naming the vice president under John Quincy Adams. I don't remember this person's name. Don't ask me. Daniel Day Tompkins. Yeah. I w- who the fuck would know that? I don't well, even know if that's true. Honestly, I didn't fact check it. It could be dead wrong. You know me so well, Victoria, because unfortunately... <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> really? <laughs> the vice president for John Quincy Adams is John C. Calhoun. Okay. Tompkins was James Monroe's president. Oh, oh no, so uh, he's vice president. president. Oh, no, so he is a senile, crazy old man. That's the joke. He's not Santa. He My life it. is ruined. He got it. He's not Santa. No, he's no. not Santa. No, you sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> Wait, that's the whole joke of the movie. Well, the 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 movie got it wrong. It's not like they were intending for him to get it wrong. It's because I, I remember looking it up. Actually, let me look it up. <laughs> there's right like there, a reason there's, there's why a reason. he got it wrong. There, it's not because a... they were making some kind of like meta joke with the audience. No, no, it, the crew, <laughs> the the film itself messed up, and there's there's a reason why. Oh, because they don't God. have Google. Well, yeah. they don't have Google. That's very true. <laughs> the encyclopedia misprinted. <laughs> um, here it is. The confusion arose because Adams was the sixth president. Sorry. That's our crack it open. Crack open a beer. The confusion <laughs> arose because Adams was the sixth president where Tompkins was the sixth vice president. Some presidents having had a different vice president each term. Gotcha. And one of the latter having served under two of the former. So basically the fact checker of the movie was just an idiot. So they were he like, just looked up who was the sixth vice president. Rather than saying who was yeah. John Quincy Adams okay, vice okay, president. Okay, okay. Yeah. That makes more sense. But you're right. He failed. He's not <laughs> The next morning. Poor movie's The next morning, Mr. Sawyer seems rather annoyed having to do a test for a man who believes himself to be Santa. Uh, Chris continues to pass his test, though, and proves himself to be mentally competent. Um, He then meets with Doris and Dr. Pierce, who is from the Brooks Memorial Home for the Age. Where he lives. Where he lives. And Mr. Sawyer advises Doris that Chris should be dismissed immediately, even though he passed the examination. But I also just want to know, why does he live there? Doesn't he live in the North Pole? Like, why was he? I don't get it. I thought it meant, like, he's from the North Pole, but he's living at this aged at this home like in between but like, what about mrs claus yeah. i don't think mrs claus was a concept at the time oh okay like rudolph so it's just one man living in the north pole with all these reindeer and the elves what about the elves um well the elves just take care of everything while he's not there so i guess because then i also was wondering i'm like santa is still here in New York, yeah, it is Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. I understand you need to, sh- you know, you, he couldn't go to dinner Christmas Eve because he was like, oh, well, it's Christmas Eve. That's like the only time he fulfills his like Santa yeah, duties. Yeah, but doesn't he need to be there to like check the list twice? 
make his list and check it twice? He did that at his own time. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. Anyways. He had Scott Calvin take care of it. Oh. <laughs> Mr. Sawyer suggests that he should be institutionalized, to which Dr. Pierce steps in and disagrees that he is no harm to himself or anybody else. He says that Chris only wants to be helpful to people and is no threat to cause any violence. Mr. Sawyer points out that he carries a cane with him, to which Dr. Pierce assures him that it is silly to imply that he would ever use the cane as a weapon. And I'm sure this will not come back ever in the movie He doesn't again. use the cane as a weapon. He doesn't? He uses an umbrella. Oh, I thought it was his cane. I thought that was the whole point of this line. It was like, it oh, was he'll never do it. I'm pretty positive it's an umbrella. Oh, okay. Well... I guess Someone, Dr. Pierce was right then. Listen, I've been wrong twice today. Someone <laughs> feel free to I'll double check me, but I remember taking note of it during the movie. I was like, he hit him with an umbrella, but I could be really wrong. To like, really, I, I don't remember. You've been wrong one and a half times because you were right about the Macy's thing, just the wrong person. Mm -hmm. But uh, seriously, someone check me. I'll, when we get to it, I'll look at it. Mr. Soria tells Doris that he, can, he can't discharge the man, only give his advice. Doris and Mr. Shellhammer walk Mr. Pierce out. And they're like, it's on you, yeah. Doris. Yeah. And that, Naturally, it's on the woman. And the conversation ends with this weird exchange. Dr. Pierce goes, um, you know, he's getting ready to leave. And they're like, oh, you can head, head out the same elevator that you came. And Dr. Pierce is like, well, which way is that now? I'm a little twisted. Doris goes, here, let me walk you out. Oh, that's not necessary. I'll find my way. Yeah, will you though? <laughs> you just said you don't know where it is. Yeah. I know. It was it was so weird to me. Yeah. Also, they, I, I was laughing because they were like, take the employee elevator. It's faster. Meanwhile, it's, it's still hacked. And that was the second time we saw the employee elevator and it's still jam-packed. I'm, I'm like, like, where are these people <laughs> right? going? I was like, where are y'all going? Y'all okay? On their walk How out. is that faster? <laughs> I don't know. On their I don't want to see what the customers. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> no, I don't yeah. want to know what the customer one looks like. <laughs> On their walk out, the three come to the conclusion that Chris, that what Chris needs is someone at Macy's to give him a room to stay in. Yeah, that's totally normal. Most people do that. Yeah, just right. room with Housing. their why, And also, why, like, why, what was wrong? Great Neck isn't that far. I know. It wasn't, they're well, like, oh, he has to commute every day. Into, like, well, Dr. People... Pierce did say that. He was like, I would prefer him to not take the train twice a day. You see, this is why they ask you on applications if you're in reasonable commuting distance. Well, I think that they, I think that they, because they wanted to, like, have someone keep an eye on him. That's what it But really I is. feel like you, but, like, listen, the lab, the Department of Labor clearly was, like, not, they didn't have HR, they didn't have all these things. That yeah. couldn't, that would never fly today. Yeah, the, the reason, like you said, is that so somebody can keep an eye on him when they're going into work and when they're coming out of work and then while he's at work, but, not, but not so much in between. <laughs> well, while he's in the building, I guess somebody can watch yeah, him too. Yeah, I guess. Doris, uh, you just have to stare at him all day. Yeah. <laughs> the two decide that Mr. Shellhammer should rent out his son's room who's away at school. Surprisingly, Mr. Shellhammer is not against this idea, but in order to convince his wife... Mrs. Shellhammer. He's going to need to liquor her up. Right now. <laughs> he's like, oh, we have martinis yeah. on Wednesday. I'll make her as a double. Yeah. Listen... I what think he even said triple. What kind of he does, but I he think says he said double. triple. Yeah. No, he said double, but then he ends up doing triple. Yeah, he oh, said he carried away. Yeah. yeah, I don't understand though. Like we don't have set drinks that we drink per day of the week. It's not like our underwear that's labeled like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I mean, sometimes Maybe. Wednesdays are like wind down Wednesdays for some people. Yeah. Maybe we should margarita Mondays. You know, tequila Tuesdays. There you go. Wind down Wednesday. Thirsty, Thirsty Thursday. Thursday. What is? Fireball friends. <laughs> oh no. No, nope. thank you. Nope. Um, 
he'll do this plan tonight and he'll pitch the idea to her um, and then he'll give Doris a call. But in the meantime, Doris will take Chris home for dinner and then tell him the good news when Mr. Sheldonimer calls. Great. So then later that night at Doris's apartment, Chris is talking with Susie. Chris asks Susie what games she plays with the boys and girls in the building. And she said she doesn't really play any of their silly games. She tells him the story of how the other day they were down in the basement playing zoo. Which will not lead to any kind of cancer whatsoever. Yeah, with all the lead and the paint down there. Yeah, yeah. Kids being kids. (laughs) (laughs) All the boys and girls were making different animal sounds, and Homer, the zookeeper, asked her what kind of animal she is. She said, I'm not an animal, I'm a girl. That's right, and Homer (laughs) says, okay, well, only animals are allowed here. Be gone, get (laughs) out of here, get out of here. She couldn't be a guest at the zoo? No. She couldn't be like a, no? You've been to the zoo. They keep the all the animals in the same place, you know, and just no <laughs> They're kids. Play and pretend. Yeah. She's the weird one, so get out. Well, Chris asks her why she didn't pretend to be an animal, and he tells her that in order to play games like that, you need to have an imagination. And she's like, hmm. Imagination. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I'm okay without that. It's fine. Yeah. An imagination is a place all by itself a separate country it's a place where you can make snowballs in the summertime where you can drive a big bus right down fifth avenue a ship that travels to china and australia and even be the statue of liberty what did he say though he was like oh there's the there's like the something nation and the other nation and then there's the imagination i was like oh Ah, that's so clever i like what you did there Susie's eyes grow wide as she wants to experience all these things. Um, Chris then teaches Susie how to pretend. He shows her how to be a monkey. Yeah. And the two mimic the actions and sounds of a monkey. Yep. Yeah, it wasn't very good. No. She wasn't very good. It was her first time. (laughs) Yeah. They could have just simply done like, but they were just making weird noises with their mouths, like just blabbling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were like squawking. (laughs) Squawking. (laughs) They don't go to the zoo very often. (laughs) No, that's a bird. (laughs) In the kitchen, Fred and Doris make dinner as Fred talks about being a lawyer. And they seem to be dating now for some reason. (laughs) No, they're, I guess, there just comes a moment in this movie where like, they're they're just just like, hello, darling. Hello, darling. Yeah. Oh, okay. And at the end they kiss and you're like, well, I guess they are together. Yeah. Yeah. He comes out of the kitchen and is amused to find Chris and Susie pretending to be monkeys. But Fred pulls Chris aside and offers for him to move in with him in his apartment. Because he has a spare twin bed. Yeah. So Not when, bedroom. No, yeah. When he bed. said this, I was like, oh, he's got a two bedroom. All right. No, he's got a bed, bed. next yep. to his bed. Yep. Yeah. And like Which a nightstand in between. That's also weird. Why does he have that? Well, I mean, before the Flintstones, this it was depicted in movies and television that, like, married couples slept in separate beds. Okay, he's not married. No, but I guess, like... But also, somebody... it's, it's depicted my grand, My grandmother's house, um, she had a separate bedroom for my grandfather, and they both had two twin beds in their bedroom, See, and I didn't understand why. Well, like, okay, having the separate, separate bedrooms, I understand, like, everybody, personal preferences, whatever, but it's weird to me that this man who lives alone, this bachelor who lives <laughs> alone, has a second bed in his bedroom. Our moment's coming up here. Yeah, okay. with the umbrella. That's what I was looking for. Hopefully it's an umbrella, because otherwise I'm just tapping out. It's an umbrella. Fuck oh. yeah, it's an umbrella! All right, good job, Toya. Toya knew. Toya got something right today. <laughs> so then Dr. Pierce is right. I'm getting a ginger ale to reward myself. <laughs> he was you a liar. A ginger ale. <laughs> That's funny. Why wouldn't they make him use this cane? I don't know. They, they literally said the line to set that up. That's I so know, annoying. Nope, it was an umbrella. 
We are talking about Fred uh, oh, with bringing the bed. Chris his bachelor So bed. I actually found, when was the Great Depression? No, that was like... The 30s. Um, the 30s. Mm. 29. Yeah. Because I heard that couples only started sharing a bed in the Great Depression, during the Great Depression, because they could only afford one bed, mm. that it was actually very common for people to have two beds but he was it doesn't really like make he was a single man yeah, so yeah. why did he even have another bed to begin right. with maybe i guess for when he got married he was prepping yeah <laughs> I don't know. yeah but, I don't know. but like that's the only Sitting thing it's I chris think of. <laughs> yeah. Listen. um just saying i just think it's a little weird but whatever so he's got the so, extra he's got the extra twin bed fortunately yeah and he says that he can go into work every day with doris and come home with doris every day and doris is like ah great Excellent. Chris I loves, love that. Chris loves this idea, so he accepts. <laughs> Mr. Shellhammer then calls Doris with the good news. He passes the phone to Mrs. Shellhammer. <laughs> and he's like, don't worry, I did a triple yeah. instead of a double. I feel like he's, yeah, he said triple. She can't even hold the phone the right way. She's holding it upside down, and she's talking into the listening part. <laughs> no, no, dear. This way. Hello. <laughs> I love that. So, I'm going to answer the phone like that. You should. <laughs> I will. Drunk off her ass. Um, At work. I was just going to say, <laughs> people call you. <laughs> Brokers are going to call me. Hello. <laughs> Mr. Shellhammer tells Doris that she would love to have Santa Claus stay with them. And when Doris goes to tell Chris the good news, he informs her that he's already taken Mr. Gailey up on his offer, much to Doris's displeasure. She's like, wait, what? So now my question is, how does Doris tell Mr. and Mrs. Shellhammer this? Because they probably just let her sleep it off. Poor Mrs. Yeah. She probably doesn't remember. Are you kidding me? You're probably right. And that was the other part. I was like, just to, if you get her drunk and say, have her say yes, she's not going to remember saying yes the next morning. Yeah. Honey, this is Chris Kringle. Remember you said he could stay with us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honey, Santa's moving in. <laughs> oh. Hello. <laughs> Later that night, as Chris is putting Susie to bed all alone in this little girl's room. <laughs> yep. So weird. Who... Doris thinks is a little crazy, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to put Susie to bed, if that's all right with you. <laughs> um, he's persistent that there must be something that Susie wants for Christmas. And Susie, <laughs> like, well. she eventually gives in and shows him a picture of a house she tore out of a magazine. And he's like, but your apartment's beautiful. And she's like, Psh. I want to swing. <laughs> and I'm like, your apartment is so nice, girl. She wants a real house with a swing in the backyard for her and her mom to live in. Chris is apprehensive. And tells her that just because every child can't get their wish doesn't mean that Santa isn't real. Well, listen, you're dealing with absolutes with this child. Well, so that is 100% what it means. Hey, I, use, I asked my parents like five years in a row for a monkey for Christmas and I never got it. So it happens. He did. That's a real story. That is a real story. Um, <laughs> some children wish for things they couldn't Not possibly even a use. Not animal monkey? No. I didn't think of it this way. Some people, some children wish for things they couldn't possibly use. What could she possibly use with a house? What could I, use I don't a know to for? live in. Yeah, her. She's got a little more reason than me. You could have a monkey as a pet. Yeah, in hindsight, that would have been awful. Yeah, no. Like knowing now what we know about monkeys, then well, we don't know as kids. Well, also, like our neighbor across the street when I moved into my house, they had a monkey. That guy had a monkey. Is that legal? I don't know, but it wore a diaper, and it was mean. Um, so I don't know. I, I remember being like really freaked out because he would have it out like on the front lawn, and, like the house that got knocked down. Oh, house, yeah, and yeah. I was like, and I would be really freaked mm, out. I kind of expected it to be that house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Susie doubts Chris's abilities, but he assures her that he will do his best before wishing her a good night. And Susie saves her piece of gum that I guess she chews before bed every night. Yeah, it was, that was, I didn't understand, I but like... Know. Puts it away and shuts the it's light. It's like her one vice, you know? It's her one, It's her like, comfort. It's yeah. like, yeah. yeah, it's like her shot or her, like, puff of cigarette. Yeah. I don't know. Which, this is the 40s. She probably could have just smoked a cigarette. Nobody <laughs> she probably could have. It's more practical than the gum. Over at Fred's apartment, the two lovebirds prepare for bed. Um, they're sleeping in the same room, Meeting but in two Chris beds. Kringle and Mr. Gailey. Obviously, yeah. I thought that was. They're what like Bert and over there. <laughs> yeah. They are. Well, I, I didn't realize that they were in the same room, but like until they like panned out on the screen, because I was like, oh, I'm like the bathroom is connected to, um, like the other room. That's yeah, weird. Like why? Like, yeah. Like yeah. why is he using like? his bathroom that's connected to his bedroom and then they panned out and i was like oh, oh there's bedroom. two beds yeah. so and then i was like oh chris kringle is they're sharing closets because like chris kringle was hanging a coat or something in the closet mm-hmm. yeah. like putting on a hanger and hanging it in there and i was yeah. like oh that's so weird hmm. fred talks to chris about how he hopes one day to own his own place on long island um they then begin to talk about doris and Susie more and the two make an agreement and try to get those two to come out of their shells. Chris will take care of Susie if Fred takes care of Doris. Mm-hmm. Before going to bed, Fred wants to ask Santa the one question that has plagued him for years. <laughs> the never, one question never, that everybody's ever, dying to know for centuries. Never I, crossed my mind ever. What was the question? It was, do you do, is his beard in or out? No, he said, whiskers in or out? Oh, yeah. And I was like, what? And then he like moves his blanket. He's like, always oh, out. And yeah. I was like... Because yeah. the cold air makes them grow. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's so weird. Not like, what's your favorite reindeer? How do you get do you to get... all the houses yeah. Yeah. in one night? Like, nothing like what that. Is your... How do you fit down the chimney? What, yeah. what, what is your grading criteria for good and bad? Yeah. <laughs> like, I can think of a hundred yeah. other questions that I would want to ask Chris Kringle. Mm-hmm. Besides, do you put your beard under the covers or outside of the I covers? I would have just assumed over. Well, then I then it got That's me thinking. Then it got me thinking. How do I sleep? And I kind of With put the beard? blanket. I don't mean I don't have a beard, but I, <laughs> obviously, but I do like put it up to like my face sometimes, you know. And I guess I was like, well, if I had a beard, I guess I don't know if I would do that. I should ask Jamie Lee's my cousin's husband yeah, because he's, he's got, got a beard. long beard. Yeah. I'm gonna ask him right That's now. What do you do? My beard's not long enough, but yeah. I guess it's out. Well, Michael's you, got a bigger beard than yeah, me. Maybe but you know, Michael well, Michael, Michael sleeps on his back like a vampire, according to Alex. <laughs> so, like, I think he is out. But you sleep on your stomach, and you, like, cuddle, like, the yeah. blanket up to your face. So you're technically an in. I'm an innie? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Thought I was an Audi all these years. <laughs> the next day... I literally just texted him. I go, question. Yeah, whiskers. I want to know this. I go, whiskers out or under the covers? <laughs> Meaning your beard. And he's probably like, what? He's probably like, I don't know. Let me go to bed. Let me see. (laughs) The next day, we meet Mr. Gimbal. He's giving out to all his people, and he's not, he's upset. He wants to know why they didn't think of this plan that Macy's is implementing before. Oh, no. Macy's looks like, Macy's looks like the hero, and Gimbal's looks like the money grabber. They are. They both are. They both are. From now on, if Gimbal's doesn't have something the customer is looking for... We're going to send them back to Macy's. (laughs) And not only here are they doing it, but they're going to up their plan by doing the same policy in Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Pittsburgh as well. Macy's responds by extending their new policy uh, nationwide to San Francisco, Atlanta, Toledo, and Newark. 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 
Is that like a big city? I guess so. It's where an air, they got an airport, so I, I assume. Yeah, but Islip has an airport. That's probably Jersey's biggest city, right? Newark? New Jersey? Uh, I don't know. Wouldn't it be Trenton, their capital? Wouldn't it be Jersey Shore? Well, Albany is our capital. It's yeah, not the biggest city. true. Who decided that? Who can say? If you're from New Jersey, let us know. <laughs> you should just ask Rebecca and Erica. Yeah, you should. <laughs> Next, we see a photo op taking place between Santa, Mr. Gimbel, and Mr. Macy shaking hands with each other. And San Mr. Macy gives... Santa, a really nice bonus. Mr. Macy shows his gratitude towards <laughs> Santa by handing him a very wealthy Christmas bonus to which he says uh, he's going to use it for a doctor friend who needs a new x-ray machine. Mr. Macy's note that that number won't quite cover it, to which Mr. Gimble jumps in and says, I'll pay the difference. Yeah. Mr. Macy counters his generosity by informing Santa if he purchases the x-ray machine through Macy's, he'll give him 10% off. So stop by all five to pick up your x-ray machines. Yeah, really? What the hell? The next night, Chris puts Susie to bed again and offers to sing a goodnight song to her. It becomes clear that Doris She's has... She's like, why would you do that? Yeah, Doris has never sung a goodnight song to Susie ever. Um, Susie blows a big bubble with her gum, and Chris asks for a piece himself. <laughs> mm-hmm. And apparently he blows a bubble that's too big, causing it to burst, and gets gum in gets bars, in his beard. whiskers. Dang. The next day at work, Chris has lunch with Alfred, who is very upset. Um, it took Chris, me a while to realize where they were. I'm like, are they at the food court at the mall or something? They're in the store cafeteria, yeah, I guess you would yeah. say. Alfred informs him that he met with Mr. Sawyer earlier, and he was telling him about how he loves giving presents to the little kids at the Y and pretending to be Santa, like he was telling him before. And Mr. Sawyer's response is to deem this as bad behavior. He says, guys who would get enjoyment out of playing Santa Claus do so because they must have done something when they were younger that was really bad and now they feel guilty about it. Like, what the fuck? Who says that? This that makes no sense. quite the reach. I'm right? not really sure of the logic here. So now they must do something to, good to make up for it all. This analysis uh, upsets Chris deeply. He decides to pay Mr. Sawyer a visit and have a talk with him. He confronts Mr. Sawyer and tells him that he has no business giving psychological advice to Alfred. Mr. Sawyer is combative in his responses and stands by his diagnosis of Alfred. I mean, I don't understand why he would say he has no business giving psychological advice when he is, in fact, a psychologist. I think that the the, the whole thing is that they are questioning whether he actually is one. He uh, considers him he to be just... like a, a quack, basically. Yeah, because like yeah. I think that what he's technically supposed to do is just see... It's like they... They say it later that, like, he basically just gives intelligence tests for the employees, which you don't really have to be a psychologist for. Um, so I think that, like, maybe the implication is that he's not. Not a psychologist. Mm -hmm. The argument escalates with Mr. Sawyer ordering uh, Chris to leave his office and Chris deciding that there is only one way to handle a man like him. Beat him on the head. With a... Umbrella. We just went back and watched it. You were right, Toy. It was an umbrella, right. which upsets me deeply. Why would it be an umbrella and not his cane? They literally called it earlier out in the movie. Fuck yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know why they didn't do the cane. It's whatever. The point still stands. Mr. Sawyer called it. It was assault with a weapon. He was yeah. right. But then, but then, but then he gets hit in the head and he's clearly fine. But then he sees um, Doris, Doris and Mr. Shell. Daly. Oh, it was no, Mr. Gale. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. Shellhammer come and he looks and he's like, oh, let me make it look like I'm passed out. Because he's a drama queen. God. The two approach him slumped in his chair and attempt to wake him up and call for an And here's my thing. 
This is, I said this to you while we watched it. Why? Because, like, later, like, they both go with him to, like, the infirmary or whatever. Why was one of them, why did both of them go with Mr. Sawyer? Why did not one of them go and, and like, find Chris, ask him his side of the story, like, figure it out? No. Why y'all gotta stick together, pull some Scooby-Doo shit, split yeah. up, gang? Like, because come the on. probably would have been squashed right there, but this is a movie, and unfortunately, we need to not communicate with stuff anyone. Stuff like this really frustrates me in movies and TV shows. Sometimes I have trouble watching stuff that, like, is illogical that way, because I'm like... This would never happen in real life because, like, in reality, people wouldn't do this. This is just purely a miscommunication. Like, this problem is caused by a miscommunication or a lack of observance or a lack of, like, co conversing appropriately. Like, it just annoys me. Anyway. I agree with you. Mike just texted me back. Uh, my cousin's husband. I go, whiskers out or under the covers, meaning your beard. He goes, I don't exactly know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> when you go to sleep, do you put your beard under the blanket? Because I asked Michael in the group chat, and his response was, I don't know what the right answer is. There is no right answer. It's just how you sleep. But I'm telling you, Michael sleeps like a vampire, so it's out. Yeah. Next scene, Mr. Sawyer is conscious now, and what I assume this is the doctor's office in Macy's. Like they're, sure. Yeah. Um, he insists that Chris attacked him out of the blue, and he is not of the right frame of mind. Mr. Shellhammer suggests that maybe uh, he should see a competent psychiatrist, and if he passes their test, which kind of sounds like he's undermining Mr. Yeah, Sawyer. Yeah, he is. <laughs> um, but if he can pass their test, he can then re return to work immediately, and yeah. no harm, no foul. Um, he <laughs> still hit somebody in the head, but the head, yeah. But it's fine. Doris, however, has grown quite fond of, uh, of Chris and can't bring herself to do that to him. Uh, she vouches that um, he has taken and passed dozens of exams already and to send him out on another one would all but confirm to chris that she in fact thinks he's crazy yep so she can't do that to him so she leaves um but mr sawyer hatches a plan i guess with mr shellhammer but even he, like, he's not really aware he takes advantage of mr shellhammer mm -hmm. yeah he's a manipulative dick he he tells mr Sh uh, shellhammer to retrieve chris while he's working um and shellhammer is apprehensive about the plan but sawyer assures him that uh, if he's able to get Chris outside the store, he'll explain everything to him and he'll take care of it. This so, made me so mad. Yeah. Yeah. Shellhammer pulls uh, Santa aside and tells him that they're going to be taking some photo ops down at City Hall with the mayor. Um, and he escorts Chris out of the building and into a car where Mr. Sawyer and two other gentlemen are waiting for him. Mr. Sawyer tells him to uh, tells the driver to head to Bellevue. Yep. Which is like, I guess the uh, it's a it's a mental institution, right? And it was not a very good one. Yeah. By the way. So Chris has been bamboozled, um, and he... he's so upset. And then he's like, "Does Doris know?" And and freaking Sawyer over there is like, "Yup, he know she knows." Yeah, and he's very Rude. disheartened to hear this. Yeah. Um. So and he just kind of gives up. Mm -hmm. uh, over at Fred's law office, he receives a call about Chris um, at Bellevue. The doctor on the phone recommends commitment, and Fred, Fred tells the doctor that he'll be right down to sort the matter yeah. out. So basically what happened was, you're going a little slow for me with this part, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> um, basically, Chris intentionally failed his um, test because he realized, because he was told by Sawyer that Doris knew that he was being taken there, and so he felt like really upset and he lost hope because he he failed 
with her. Yeah. And so he was like, all right, fuck this. I'll just stay here. Yeah. Well, Fred reassures her, uh, reassures him that Doris didn't know anything about the plan and he <laughs> talked to her on the phone. And Chris is like, okay, well then let's go. Yeah. Well, there's only one problem with that. Um, he flunked his examination and there's no way that they're just going to let him leave. Yeah. So Chris asks Fred for help as he's a wonderful lawyer and to get him out of there. And Fred's reluctant at first, but he agrees that he'll do anything he can to help him. So, back at Macy's now, Mr. Macy finds out what Sawyer and has Mr. done. And Mr. Macy's pissed. He's very mad at Mr. Sawyer, and he tells him to get Chris back here right away and to drop the but whole this matter. But this is the part of the movie that confuses me. Because Sawyer goes to the law office, but doesn't tell him, doesn't tell the judge, like, no, don't, like, forget it. Like, Dropping. Yeah, yeah, like, he doesn't do that. He just, like... Yeah, so... He just, like... He, I think that it was out of his hands. Like once he once that, he got him to Bellevue, and they were like, "Oh yeah, he failed the test. He's crazy." Yeah, I think so, like he couldn't do anything. They're like, "Well, we already got this crazy man. We can't let him out on." Yeah, the by by that point, it turns over. It's not. It's this is where it gets a little confusing. It's not really Macy's versus Chris Kringle. It's now like the state of New York. Yeah, no, versus I versus Chris Kringle. I just feel like I don't know. Yeah, but he didn't even try. Mm-hmm. Is my point like? He went down there with the intention of trying and didn't. Yeah. Well, here we meet two more characters. We meet Judge Harper and we meet the district attorney, Thomas Mara. Mr. Mara tells the judge that this is a pretty cut and dry case. He's just got to sign the papers. But before he can do that, Fred comes in and says that he uh, he wishes to have a formal hearing for Chris. Yeah, he ra- like, he represents Chris. Right. So Monday morning, 10 a.m., there's a formal hearing for I Chris. I thought it was funny. He just, like, went into the back of his head and he was like, hmm, how about Monday morning at 10 a.m.? Let's yeah. have a hearing. Yeah, yeah, I got nothing else planned. Yeah. Sure. I was like, wow, lack of cases in New York, huh? Yeah. So Fred got into the office before Mr. Sawyer, who's sitting out in the lobby waiting to meet with a district attorney. Um, and when he finally does meet with the district attorney, he tells him that um, Mr. Macy would like the whole thing dropped and just done with. And that's when Ms. Samara says that it's no longer um, in their hands and he's already they've already started the regular routine for Why didn't hearing. you just say that? That's literally what my question was. I don't remember hearing Sawyer say to drop it. Because I didn't get to it yet. It was in my notes, but I wasn't up to that yet. <laughs> um, not to change the subject, but Mike just told me that he... Um, is like Chris Kringle, and he says he sleeps with his whiskers above the blankets. That's the right answer. So. That's what I said. I go, good, just like Chris Kringle on Miracle on 34th Street. He said, more like Jason Momoa. Mm. And he also said, you meant to say nicest beard as well out of everyone. Because I said, out of all the bearded men I know, you have the longest one. He go, you meant to say nicest beard as well. I'm jealous of him. I can't grow my beard like his. Won't really? Happen. No, won't happen. You've never tried. It gets all curly and... Uh, he, like, conditions... doesn't? Yeah, he, like, conditions it and combs it. He has, like, a whole kit for it. Don't even bother. We've tried. I've tried giving him the kit. I've tried, like, he, telling him that he needs to groom it. Dan does this thing where he goes, nah, 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 it just grows Too, much, grows. Yeah, too like, much work. I know like, my beard. He's like, it won't do it, I promise. And I'm like, but you don't try. You don't even do any of these You steps. think our hair does this, like, on its own? Yeah. yeah. Like, well, I haven't shaved in a while. I'll leave this. And we'll see what happens by the next time, um, two months from now, when we record okay. another episode. Good, we'll but you don't have to take care of it. You have to try. All right, I'll try. I'll, uh... He's just telling me to shut up. No, I really will try. You need to, like, shampoo it, condition it. Because I'd like to have a beard that long. but I know. Yeah. Then you could be a Chris Kringle then in your older be. age. Yeah. 
Sawyer tracks down Fred outside and tries to persuade him to drop the case um, as Mr. Macy wants to avoid all publicity that this will bring Oh, yeah, them. they didn't want any publicity either. But Fred loves the idea of publicity because like, oh, he says if he's going to win this case, he's going to need the public opinion on his side. And publicity yeah. is the only way to do it. And he tries to bribe him. He's like, oh, we'll give you a lot of money. Yeah. Nope. So then Judge Harper is seen meeting with his political advisor, uh, Charlie Halloran. Charlie wants him to rule, uh, warns him that ruling against Santa in this case would be disastrous to his re-election well, bid. Well, actually, he didn't even want him to take the case. He wanted him to reassign it to another judge. Right. But his whole point is that, like, people will not... I think he also just assumes, like, how would he find him, like... Yeah. You know. But the people won't want to root for somebody who took down Santa. They won't want to give him his vote. And even his grandchildren and his wife kind of... Yeah, they're mad. They're mad at him, too. Um, all right, so... This is kind of where the movie turns into, like, a courtroom movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things that are just completely inaccurate of how a courtroom would actually oh, be. Oh, yeah. Like, they always say, like, my cousin Vinny is a pretty accurate description, like, for law students. This, I imagine, they would show all the things that you cannot do. Yeah. yeah. This is what doesn't happen in the like, courtroom. Yeah. You can't just, like, cross-examine a witness while another examiner is examining the witness. Oh, yeah. yeah that happens. Yeah, there's a couple. They just, like, interject with their own questions, and I'm like, it's not your turn! <laughs> uh, so at the court uh, courtroom now, Mr. Merrick calls his first witness to the stand, and it's Chris. Um, no opening statements, no what they intend to prove. Well, We're it's just a gonna hear- call somebody. Well, it's a hearing. Yeah, the trial didn't start That's yet. That's true. It is a hearing. Um, Mr. Merrick only asks three questions. He says, what is your name? What is your address? And do you really believe you are Santa Claus? And then the state rests. That's all they have to ask. Judge Harper, trying to help Chris out, asked Mr. Gale if he would like to cross-examine the witness as he thinks he misunderstood the question. And he says no. Yeah. He thinks Chris was hired to play Santa, correct? And the Chris assures the judge, no, I'm Santa. So, no help. Yeah, so Mr. Gailey opts not to question Chris. Um, he does wish to put in a defense, though. He argues that Mr. Harper believes himself to be Mr. Harper, and nobody questions his sanity. Therefore, Chris believes himself to be Santa Claus. Why should we question his sanity? It's a very philosophical stance that he takes here. Who or any of us really, I guess he says. I guess. But he intends to prove that Chris Kringle is, in fact, the real Santa Claus, much to the stun of everybody watching in the courtroom. Well, first they have to decide, is Santa real? Is this something worth proving? Yeah. Because Who has the burden of proof? So this is what I was saying. Because the, the prosecution claimed the burden of proof is on the defense because they have to prove that he is, in fact, Santa Claus. But I don't really think that the burden of proof would lie there. I think that the think burden of the proof... The burden, the burden of proof always lies with the prosecution. Right, they're the ones that because say, you're no, innocent, you're not Santa. Because you're innocent until proven guilty. You are... Yeah, so they need Who to prove say that he's are. not. Right, yeah. exactly. That's kind of what... That's what I, I kept thinking during this whole, like, yeah. trial. But Here, here's it's a, 1947, so what mm. the fuck? Here's another unrealistic part. Um, well, she there, has Francine. Yeah. During Fred's... Yeah, she would have been good to have for this part. But, yeah. Um, during this part where Fred says that he is, in fact, Santa, Judge Harper quickly says, but he isn't. All right. If this were real, mm-hmm. Fred immediately has grounds to ask for a new hearing, as this judge has already made up his mind oh, and, yeah. and and set it to the whole yep. courtroom. So that's yep. immediately like, no, this is yeah. not. Yeah. Also, they approach the bench un un whenever they feel like it. Whenever the fuck they feel like they it, just you stand can't up and just walk up there. you can't just do that. Okay. There's order. <laughs> you have to ask to approach the bench or be called to the bench. You can't just walk over to the bench anyway. Later that night, Fred arrives at Doris's apartment. They share a polite kiss, and I guess they're—I guess they're just a couple now. 
no They're no just together. no dating no big moment where they get together they're just together um fred tells doris to get her coat because they're going out to celebrate he quit yeah his job they're celebrating that it's going to trial doris doesn't like this one bit she asks well clearly your job must think this is like crazy and he said yeah they said to either drop the matter or we're letting you go so he beat him to the punch and he just decided to quit yep no savings nothing no and Doris even asked, like, well, what, what are you, you going to do? And he's like, he's, I'll just start my own. But he also said earlier in the movie that he wanted to start his own law firm. Mm-hmm. He says that he'll start his own law firm. And w- when she asked, well, what kind of clients could you possibly get? He said, the ones like Chris. Yeah, the ones who were bullied and pushed around. Yeah. That's yeah. what he said. Aww, what a good he, guy. So altruistic. The two argue and Fred leaves. And he gives Doris the advice that one day she'll re- she will realize her way of facing the realistic world just doesn't work. Yep. That's where the micro SD card goes. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I thought that this was like a stand. No. So that you could go like this. I mean, I guess. I mean, it is, but. Okay, cute. Boy, that is. But there's also a slot for their micro SD card. Oh. If I wanted more storage. That's cool. I'm so sorry. No, it's just funny. <laughs> I got a Nintendo I saw Switch you. for my birthday, everybody, and that's what I'm playing with. I saw you pick it up. And I was like, she's definitely going to, like, dick around with this switch right now. Well, she's it's gonna, like, taking <laughs> everything out of me to not just, like, start playing Tetris and talk about this movie because I am addicted to Tetris now. It's okay. But, it's all right. Um, we're almost at the end anyway. We're getting through it. I want to play Stardew Valley. Okay, yeah. we're getting there. Okay. Everybody can play their games after we're done. <laughs> I'm working with children here. <laughs> Listen, you play games all the time. I know, but I can focus. <laughs> I can't focus. Our attention spans are ruined by TikTok and Reels. <laughs> Need like ice pops. To I keep need you on a dopa- track. I need my dopamine hit. <laughs> um, at Miss Samara's now, he's discussing with his wife, and she agrees with the public that she should that he shouldn't be prosecuting uh, Chris Kringle. Right, but also like she sends the kid out of the room. She, their son. The kid's important. Yeah. Yeah. She's Not like yet, but she's like won't. stop talking about this in front of the children. Yeah. Mara even shares his frustration, even saying that he likes Chris, but it's his duty to the state to protect the state and carry out his legal responsibilities. Why would the state ever do for you? Yeah. Right. Will they protect you? No. I guess they employ him. Mm. Thank you <laughs> for now. Yeah. Next day at the courthouse, crowds are growing much larger. R.H. Macy takes a stand, questioned by Fred. Um, in the middle, Fred's questioning, like we said. He, he was like having these. Wait, I'll keep going. No, go, no, it's he, he lied on the stand, but it's fine. He, yeah. He lied under oath. He absolutely did. Because um, <laughs> he but, didn't want bad publicity. Yeah. He was like foreshadowing. Yeah. This is like the headlines. This yep. is also where Mr. Mary just completely interrupts Fred when he's yeah. questioning Mr. Macy. He just jumps right in with his own. He even asks Mr. Macy. Do you really believe that this is Santa Claus? And this is where Macy starts having visions of headlines and yeah. all the outrage. So, like, the good businessman that he is, under oath he lies. And he says, of course I believe it's Santa yeah. Claus. <laughs> um, Mr. Mara is getting more and more frustrated. He objects to the testimony and declares that Mr. Gailey is turning this into his circus. He presses the judge to make a ruling on whether there is or not a Santa Claus. Judge Harper, feeling the pressure from the public, uh, rules for a short recess to decide. And he meets with Charlie, his advisor. And they go back and forth. And Charlie tells him that if he rules that there is no Santa, he can kiss his re-election bit goodbye. It's true, though. Like, y- yeah. you're tied. Yeah. Um, after recess... Mr. That would never happen today. Today they would be like, yeah, no, there's no, there's no fucking Santa Claus. <laughs> Eat my ass, there's no Santa. <laughs> Eat my ass, there's no Santa. <laughs> After recess, Mr. Mara asks the judge if the defense can produce any evidence that Santa is, in fact, real. Fred says that he can, 
and orders Mr. Thomas Mara to take the stand. That's Thomas Mara Jr. Mm-hmm. Ki- okay, yeah. yeah. They they really, they used these kids. They yeah. used and abused them. He calls his six-year-old son on the stand. This is another one. If this were real... <laughs> everything right up there? <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> if this were real, um, Mr. Mara would have no choice but to recuse himself yeah. from the hearing because it's his son up there. He can't possibly yeah. be impartial and like yeah. cross-examine him. His son takes a stand, and Fred asks if he believes in Santa, to which Tommy says he does, and points him out sitting in the courtroom. Fred asks Tommy why he is so sure that there is a Santa Claus, and he responds because... My daddy told me so. And, and you his... wouldn't lie, would you, daddy? Yeah. <laughs> and that's it for the question. That's all he asks. Tommy leaves goodbye. His Bye, dad... daddy. <laughs> his dad is like, you were getting the belt later. <laughs> no, he's not. Mr. Mara, feeling the pressure now, concedes the existence of Santa Claus, but in doing so, they ask that Mr. Gailey stop presenting personal opinion as evidence and come up with some form of solid concrete evidence instead. Fred admittedly is unprepared to do so, but asks for an adjournment adjournment until tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Later that night at Doris's apartment, I I suppose Doris has had a change of heart because now she's talking with Susie and the two discuss that unfortunately some people just don't believe that there really is Santa yeah and she's like well forget everything that I said yeah yeah just your whole com- life change her tune and like yeah no that's really Santa now and if you can't get me the house then you're just a nice old man with whiskers Susie okay Susie knowing that Chris is sad writes Chris a letter to cheer him up um, Doris upon reading her letter adds at the bottom of the page I believe in you too signed Doris yeah at the mail office, a bunch of workers are sorting. <laughs> you got it. Why is this so funny to you? Because it's just like so. This is the scene that made me realize that everybody in this movie is like an Italian. Yeah, American yeah. Off like the because boat. That, that's what I'm saying. Hey, like, boss, it's so... you got another letter for Santa. It's over just here. so <laughs> stereotypical. I was like, wow. You know what they talk like? They talk like New Yorkers from like Spider-Man movies. Yeah. They're like, hey, Spider-Man. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. So the workers are sorting mail. One worker comes across Susie's letter, um, but he calls his manager over to show that this letter to Santa is addressed to the New York County Courthouse. They're like, these kids these days, man. And then and then the manager's like, no, see, in the paper, he got arrested. And they're like, oh, shit, I haven't been out of here in like five days. It explains the whole trial that's going on. So the co-worker, the mailman, comes up with an idea. They've got all these letters from Santa that they're just responsible for every year. And rather than it being there responsibility to give her the letters why don't they just send all the letters to the courthouse it's hilarious um is that true like what does the post office do with all the letters to santa um well they have like a program now um that you can with that you can like sign up to receive a letter from from yeah but if you just say like santa claus to the north pole and macy's usually has those mailboxes and they yeah Yeah, like you don't put it in like yeah, oh, no, uh, now what the post office does is like you can sign up to be like a recipient and so like they'll post they'll take a picture of the letters uh, and like at like your scan, yeah, 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 and they'll scan it and then you can like choose and like you can fulfill the wish for um, the kid. But like you have to have their return address, yeah. obviously, otherwise it's like not gonna work. But yeah. I've done that a couple of years and it's really cool. Interesting. Yeah. It's cute, yeah. Yeah. At the courthouse the next day, Chris has gotten Susie's letter. Um, Just Susie's letter, though. Nobody else's. Um, And he's so delighted to read it. Uh, Fred tells Chris he's got some bad news. He tried to phone the governor, the mayor, anyone for help. But Chris stops him and tells him that this letter from Susie is worth more than anything to him. 
Um, I'll go to jail or Bellevue, rather. With my letter. Um, <laughs> just then, an officer of the court whispers something in Fred's ear, and he promptly leaves the courtroom. So, even with the defense not in the courtroom, the prosecution just decides to give this closing statement. No they just way. start. They just start. They just yeah, start their day. Somebody will catch him, uh, catch him up to speed on what he missed. Because <laughs> even in My Cousin Vinny, that doesn't happen. No, you can't just like start giving your closing statements while the other party's not present. No way. <laughs> Fred returns, though, and declares that he does, in fact, have evidence that this is Santa Claus. His argument, he declares that the United States Post Office is an official agency of the United States government. True. It is a criminal offense to willingly, uh, willfully misdirect mail or deliver, deliver it intentionally to the wrong party, which Mr. Mara agrees. With, uh, and even, he even says on the record... I agree with that statement. Mm -hmm. So, idiot. Yeah. None of these people are smart. They don't think ahead. Fred then introduces three letters addressed to Santa Claus with no address, and yet these letters have just been delivered to Chris by employees of the post office. Mr. Marriott argues that three letters is hardly proof. Judge Harper agrees and asks Fred to produce more proof and put it on his desk. Fred obliges <laughs> and calls in about 10 different post office workers carrying two sacks of mail each who proceed to empty their sacks on Judge You know Harper. what I noticed, too? They had, like, at this scene, I noticed they had, like, did they film this, like, live in audience? Because there was, like, an audience laughing. Or was it the people in the courtroom that were laughing? I think they just I found this was, whole thing silly. I thought, Yeah, I thought it was supposed to be the people in the courtroom. But the people in the courtroom, I don't think, were laughing. But you heard the laughter. <laughs> they just Who's played laughing? the laugh track. <laughs> they yeah. played the dead That's laugh track. That's what it was. It just turned into a comedy all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden. Yeah. Um, each letter is addressed to Santa Claus. Fred argues that the post office, an institution of the United States government, recognizes this man to be Santa Claus. The one and only Santa Claus. The one and only Santa Claus. George Harper rules that since the U.S. government recognizes this man to be Santa Claus, the court will not dispute this, and the case is dismissed. Yep. Chris Kringle thanks the judge and wishes him a very Merry Christmas. And, uh, Mr. and everyone just leaves yep. right at, that quickly. Everyone just walks Well, Mr. Mara realizes he's got to do some shopping. Because it's like Christmas. It's Christmas Eve, right? Yeah. 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 It was Christmas Eve, and the yeah, the courthouse wouldn't even be open on Christmas Eve. What are they doing? That's a that's a holiday. Is yeah. it actually a holiday? I don't know. If the court it's not is. technically no. a holiday, but I'm sure that the court of New York does not meet on um, <laughs> Christmas Eve. Yeah. Especially with Santa. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. got stuff to do. He's got yep. things to do, man. Because you're gambling. If he's not Santa, fine. But if he is Santa, then your kid is not going to be happy. Yeah. That should have been the real test. Fred should have waited a couple of days and be like, all right, well, let's see if anyone gets their presents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if nobody gets their presents, this is Santa. <laughs> that would have been a good way to prove it, yeah. honestly. Should have held them hostage. Yeah. Find my client uh, innocent or no presents for your kids. <laughs> Outside the courtroom, uh, Chris meets with Doris. Um, he tells her that he received their letter, and it made him really happy to read. Um, he then invites Doris and Susie over to Fred's for uh, Christmas breakfast. No, not Fred's. No, the, the home. No, he invited them to... I thought it was... Like the, the old person home. That was, that was... Is that where they went? Yeah. It was some big house. I thought it was Mr. Macy's oh, house. Oh, see. No, I think it's the... Oh, we all interpreted this differently. I thought Fred finally got his house. No. No, no, Dan, and you'll understand why. No, I understand. That's why I was confused with the ending. Oh. Because I was like... No, that's not the house. I thought it was Mr. Uh, Macy's house. I thought it was like a mansion. It looked like a mansion. I wouldn't have thought that Chris would have been the one inviting if that was the case. He wanted Doris to come to, like, the old person home that... 
that's where he lived. But he did say Fred is having a party. At the old person home. But, I'm, but this is Fred's party. All right, get that shit back up here. Put it up. Oh, God. All right, so, Toya, yeah. congrats. You were right. Thank you. It is, in fact, the Brooks home that where they're having their Christmas breakfast. <laughs> um, everybody from Macy's is there. Dr. Pierce is also there. And Chris gives him, I think this it's is the x-ray machine. machine. Oh. Yeah, it's that part like, I got. <laughs> it looked like, oh, it was just there. It looked like a bike, but it, I couldn't really tell what it was. And I was like, is this like a horse? Like a, I don't it's know. It's a granted, x-ray it, machine. It's a small x-ray machine, but an x-ray machine nonetheless. I guess he stopped at Macy's and picked one up. <laughs> um, Susie is upset though talking to Doris because even though she received the many... house wasn't under the tree <laughs> she She's was looking one... for a key or a letter she said <laughs> the one present she really wanted didn't come Chris talks to Susie and I assures I like that but then it ended up being okay no. yeah. you want to tell us about it we got um, okay, so one year I really wanted, do you remember Baby Born or uh-huh. Baby whatever? Baby Born, Baby Born. That was like all I wanted. All... I locked that in my head. I remember that. <laughs> that yeah. was all I wanted for Christmas and I opened up all my gifts. And it wasn't there. And it wasn't there and I was so upset. But like I was a nice little kid and I like never wanted to criticize anyone. So you were still even very appreciative. So I was like, so I was like, okay. And then my mom was like, did you get everything you wanted? And I was like. No. <laughs> they, they, and they... They, they Red Ryder BB guns they, you? They did. And then, behind the tree, there was this fucking wow. present that I didn't see. And my mom's like, oh my God, there's a present behind the tree. Did you did you miss it? And I went, and it was the baby born. Aww. They Red Ryder BB gunned you. They That's did. so cool. They did. It was probably my dad's idea. That never happened to me. <laughs> that never happened to you? No. Did you just get everything you wanted always? Uh, Yeah. Except the monkey. Didn't get the monkey. Oh, yeah, true. not the monkey. Did you always get what you wanted? As far as I can remember, yeah. Yeah, I don't really recall anything that, like, I really, like, was disappointed I never got. Yeah, me neither. Parents were pretty good. Yeah, I can just remember getting stuff that I didn't think I would get that I actually got and freaking yeah. out mm-hmm. over it. Yeah. Well, Chris talks to Susie and assures her that he tried his best. Um, Susie doubts who Santa is again. Um, but Doris tells Susie that she was wrong to doubt Chris and that you must have faith and continue to believe in Santa. Just because things don't turn out how you hoped for the first time, you must still believe in people. Because bo- having faith is what common sense tell- is believing in something when common sense tells you not to. That's right. So as the party concludes, Fred offers to drive Susie and Doris home. Um, Chris hands Fred a piece of paper with directions on where to go. As the three dry are driving, Susie spots something from the car and yells for Uncle Fred to stop the car. Uncle Fred! Stop! I'm watching the scene right now. I'm mute. It's playing in real time. I had an Uncle Fred. <laughs> 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 not, not in the context of this. Just I hope not. <laughs> an actual uncle named Fred. <laughs> she runs out of the car and into a house that has a for sale sign out front. <laughs> and, and Doris is like, Susie, what did I tell you about running into other people's homes? <laughs> Yeah, they, go, they chase her and go to retrieve her. Um, Susie is excited, and she says that this is her house, which she's just establishing that this is my <laughs> this house. This is mine. <laughs> she peed on the corner. Yeah. You know? it's, it's the one she asked oh, Santa for. Yeah. yeah. Then they make out. <laughs> Susie and, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, Doris. Susie and Doris, right. No. Um, she, she believes in Santa again and even discovers a swing in the backyard like she hoped for. Holy shit. Fred and Doris share a kiss together in the house, realizing that Doris has had a change of heart, too. 
Fred tells Doris that there is a sign outside saying for sale and that they just can't let Susie down. Yep. So we're going to buy her a house. Yep. And they shared. So they went from not knowing who each other was to magically dating to... Buying a house together. together. Yeah, yeah. all right. Um, They share a kiss together, and just then they spot by the fireplace Chris's cane. Dora says it must be a coincidence and left here by the previous people, and the film concludes with Fred saying, maybe I didn't do such a wonderful thing after all. Which I don't really understand why he says that. Yeah, I didn't get this ending line. I didn't get that either. Yeah, I don't know. And then the end end appears, and Jingle Bell plays. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I didn't do such a wonderful thing after all. And he looks scared. Oh, I think I get it. I think he's saying maybe... I think he's saying maybe this wasn't his... Maybe Chris just did this. Like, like, um, doing, like doing such a good thing driving them home, maybe. Like, this is actually, like, Chris's idea. Like, he's, he's not saying, like, oh, I'm deciding to buy this house for us. Like, Chris is really, like... But, like, Chris doesn't buy the house. And that was actually going to be the next thing I say. I was going to be like, but Krista didn't really get the house for Susie because Doris and... But uh, Santa didn't buy any of the other toys for the kids because Santa was telling the parents where to go buy the toys. Yeah, so it's, like, so weird. Santa doesn't buy toys. Santa makes toys. But, like, how how does this work? So, like, technically Santa didn't do jack shit. He just helped. He he persuaded Susie's... Mom and to be stepdad. Maybe he built the house. I'm just gonna say that. I think he probably put the swing in the backyard. I think Batman. he's not really Santa. Plot twist. You've had because him he since, doesn't uh, since he got the vice, vice president, president wrong. He's just a crazy old buffoon, crazy old Maurice over there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but I love this Close, movie. Yeah, let's do closing thoughts. It was on cute. This. No, I like the movie. I've I've liked it my whole life, but. Yeah. As an adult, there's some loopholes here. There is. It's not a perfect movie. I I think the the movie, like I kind of said earlier, it like lives and dies with Edmund Gwen as Chris Kringle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first two thirds of this movie, I like it a lot. It's yeah. a typical Christmas movie. It's mm-hmm. really happy. The court scenes were a little hard. When it yeah. transitions into a court movie mm-hmm. and like Fred kind of takes over, I think it kind of goes down a little bit in quality, yeah. Yeah. both in the believability. And, and and even Santa just kind of takes a back seat. He doesn't really have many lines. He's yeah. not really a focus. And I think it kind of dies off there. But I still like it. Um, I think it's definitely a very fitting Christmas movie. Yeah. And I think now that this one came out in the 40s, there's probably people who haven't seen it. Yeah, and like probably, me. Yeah, and I think it definitely is a good movie to watch around the holiday I season. I was very pleasantly surprised by like the acting yeah. for that and like yeah. the filmmaking for that, even though it wasn't in color. Um, and what else did I just want to say? Oh, crap, I forgot. I was surprised that Alex has seen it and you haven't. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm telling you, I don't, I did not watch a lot of movies, like, yeah. as a kid at all. It, it it has its things that you could point to. Like, yeah. Fred and Doris's relationship is kind of inconsistent throughout the movie. They're yeah, just kind of weird. together. Doris, her mindset kind of jumps back and forth and yeah. between believing and not believing. Yeah. The courtroom stuff we talked about. But, but it's a Christmas movie. It's, yeah. It wasn't intended to be, like, this masterpiece, this, like, Gone with the Wind movie where everything yeah. is... It, it's it's a feel-good movie to watch over the holidays for years and years to come, which I think it does a good job. Yeah, Doris's relationship wasn't, like, a storyline in the yeah. movie, so... Yeah. I don't know if everybody would agree that Gone with the Wind is a masterpiece, but... I just use that as an example, I'm but you, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> like, my Hillary's point is, never even seen it. 
my point is that even though it won some Oscars, I don't think it was like it, it's not measured on it being an Oscar film. Yeah. It's a Christmas movie. Yeah. And it holds up. Yeah. So yeah, I would say thumbs up. I liked it. I like this movie. I think that out of all the Christmas movies, it's probably not my first pick to watch. I agree with that. Like, I wouldn't watch it necessarily every year, but I would watch it every couple years. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. I think this was a nice break from the animated movies that we've been watching That's later. what I was going to say. Even though it's technically now owned by Disney, and I can't pinpoint it, but I could tell the difference between this movie versus, like, Walt Disney's movies. Yeah. What Didn't we've have... seen from live action from them so far. Yeah. yeah I agree. Yeah. You it's... mean the, the better quality? Yeah. <laughs> come make, come make, come make. yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. The lack of cultural appropriation. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It was just, it's more, yeah, I don't even, I, can, I really can't even, like, specifically say what makes it different than any, like, Disney movie, but you could just, it just has a different feeling. I think, I mean, I don't know if you would agree, but for me, I feel like a lot of the Disney movies, like the live action ones that we've seen, Still, um, they're live action, but they're marketed. You could tell that they're made for children. Yeah. They're not made for adults. Whereas I feel like this movie's made for everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Well, and I think that's something too, is that like the, like for everybody, like the kids, obviously all this stuff with Santa, but like, I imagine if you're a kid and it gets to the courtroom stuff, you're probably like, what is going on? Even as an adult, I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I enjoyed it. I think I actually I was worried about reviewing this because I was like, it's not really Disney. Should we even bother with it? Should we move on to something else? But I think it was actually nice to yeah. kind of sprinkle it, it in. It was a nice, nice movie to watch. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Haunted Mansion. I was just gonna say, do we want to talk about Haunted Mansion? I mean, yeah, we should. Talk okay. About well, so we went to the a movies. Better movie for this Hillary's week. birthday. Happy belated birthday, Thanks. Um, we saw the new Haunted Mansion movie. Um, Haunted Mansion, if you're listening to this, like, way in the future, it's Haunted Mansion from 2023. And obviously, if you're listening to this, like, as it comes out, if you haven't seen it yet, from here on out, there's spoilers. So if you don't want to be spoiled, then jump ahead to the end. Yeah. It was better than I thought it was going to be. I'm not going to lie to you. I was like, I'm doing this because it's your birthday. Oh, really? (laughs) You wouldn't have seen it if I didn't, like, ask? Probably not. Maybe Disney Plus? Yeah, like, waited for Disney Plus. But I'm glad I went to Around October? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and spooky season, yeah. I would, but I am glad that I went to go see it, because I liked it. Well, to me, it had to beat the, the Eddie Murphy one, which is a low bar, but it did. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, that one was terrible. Ter- but, but, yeah. I, but I like, um, I think they went with a different tone. They tried to make it scary. Not over-the-top scary. It was a little spooky. There was, was, like, spooky. some jump scares, and some of the, like, ghosts were scary looking. I, yeah, like I that read... one with the ma- hatching McHatch-Hatch over there. Yeah. It was scary. I read, someone put it pretty well. Like, I think this is, like, a good family horror movie Mm -hmm. and i think if you have kids and you want to see if they like horror movies because not every kid likes horror movies i think this is a good movie to see if they like like test because there's yeah yeah, there's some jump scares but they're like not anything crazy yeah um but like if you want to find out like going forward if you know i wouldn't start them on like the ring yeah it's like not gonna traumatize them they might have like one bad dream but they'll yeah. get over it's it it's scary yeah. and like a, oh you know what yeah. i mean like yeah. kind of like the ride when you're a kid yeah you know what yeah. i mean it's very in theme with the ride i yeah. felt like yeah i liked it a lot i like that they had like pretty much all the ghosty characters mm-hmm. except Ex- go tell me they didn't have the um the heads in the graveyard i could not believe they Wait did a minute, not have no. the singing bus 
Yeah, the well, busts. No, they didn't have them singing, but I thought I saw them in the background somewhere. But they gotta be singing to be singing. I mean, busts. I, I, so I was I, like, uh, when I just said this, I'm surprised that you were on the same page as me because could not, me and Dan did not prepare to say this at the same no, time. No, I could not believe that there was no singing bust in the movie at all. Yeah, I, I thought that they did appear just not singing. But then really, at that point, are they just? Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I, in other words, like I thought I saw the broken one. I mean, I don't remember. Maybe I mean, but but they they. But I thought I saw it. Everything else in the ride is, is there. They have the the stretching hallway. Mm -hmm. The uh, Madame Leota. They have who the... I didn't realize until we got home is Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, oh, really? You didn't know that? Well, no, I knew she was in the movie, but while we're watching the movie, it completely slipped my mind that she's That's in this so movie. Funny. I didn't know she was in the movie. I really? Mean, yeah. That's how I heard about the movie when I was like, oh my god, Disney's having uh, making a haunted mansion movie, and Jamie Lee Curtis is going to be in it. That's literally know. how I found out. Yeah, no. I I didn't know she was in the movie and I also I was looking at her while we were in the movies and I'm like that looks like Jamie Lee Curtis but like it doesn't look like Jamie Lee I Curtis. I feel like I even whispered to you and I or maybe I'd said it in my mind that yeah. Jamie Lee I'm pretty sure that my cousin Jamie Lee was named after Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh. Hmm. No I don't remember if I did I pretended to hear you because also <laughs> also it's we uh, the girl sitting Next on the right. Dan. Yeah they oh were they were, they were well, cackling it I'm, was I'm it just, was a rough time. I'm just gonna say that I don't understand why teenage girls go to the movies. <laughs> they don't pay attention to the movie. They're on their phone their whole time. They maybe won't they shut can, the fuck up. Maybe they can tune in and let us know, like what the deal is. I, but like, why even bother wasting your money going to this? It's not parents' money. <laughs> well, I will say though, as a former teenage girl, um, I when I used to go to the movies, not with girls, because like then I would watch the movie. But when I went to the movies with like a boy or like a group of people, yeah, I was not watching the movie at all. So like, not that I was doing, like I was just like giggling and like not paying attention. Like it was a social outing as opposed to like a. I want to watch But these are just outing. two girls together. Yeah. Like you think that they would want to watch a movie because everybody else like that a, was there I felt yeah. like it was like it was like a, there was also like a family with a bunch of kids in front of us that kept getting like, up. All I could think is like room. why are you even here? Yeah. You're not watching the movie. Like Maybe just they go just somewhere. didn't want to go home. Maybe. Well they Maybe they finished watching Barbie and they snuck into this movie. Maybe. Barbie was good. Barbie was Barbie good. Was good. Was good. <laughs> but there there's I like that there's there's plenty of references to the ride. Yeah. I love they, it. No flash photography. They yeah. make a joke of that. Mm -hmm. They've got the dueling. Oh my god, pictures. I didn't even think of that. That's what it, that is. Oh my god. Yeah, they got they the, really uh, don't like it. They've got the uh the staircase room. Yeah, um, when the staircase room came out, I was like, yes. They even yeah. had the the gatekeeper and the dog. Yep. Yes, they that, did I the that ghost. Was cool. mm -hmm. Yep. It yeah. was good. I liked it a lot. I thought um, the story was cute. Yeah, I love like the storyline that they made out of it. Um, like with Master Gracie, and he was like a good guy. Yeah. I re I re now I don't want the Hatbox Ghost to come yeah, to Disney, he's scary. Like, Walt Disney World. Get out of here. But All right, me so and Dan agreed on this. We don't understand. I don't get why they got Jared Leto. Yeah, Jared Leto was the Hatbox Ghost, but the Hatbox Ghost has no face. <laughs> it's not his. It's not Jared and Leto's it's face. It's not his voice. It's not his voice. Uh, controversy aside with Jared Leto, because there's controversy. Oh, yeah. I don't understand why this wasn't just any voice actor. They could have just used me. They could have got anyone. They could have just used CGI for. Like, they probably he was mostly CGI. Anyway. There I don't is understand. literally nothing linking Jared Leto to this performance. And like I remember seeing all like promotional stuff. It's not even like he's there promoting yeah, the film. I know. It's I I don't. They I, just wanted a name, maybe. There why was a that lot name? of there was a lot of big names in this movie. There was, and I thought like I like there was Zoe Wilson. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah. Danny DeVito is always Danny DeVito. Mm -hmm. He's good. Jamie Lee Curtis, like we said. Um, the, what's her name? The uh, Tiffany Tiffany Haddish. Haddish she, yeah. I yeah. thought she was good. She was good she, too. Um, I really liked 
the main character, Lakeith yeah, Stanfield. Yeah, I loved him. He was really good, and he, he seems so like familiar. To he me. seems like somebody who's gone under the radar as like supporting roles, and I yeah. wonder if he's going to start appearing in like main roles. Yeah, I feel I like wouldn't this be was like his breakout. Yeah, because I, I I looked up what he's been in because he was familiar too, and like he's been in Get Out. He's been in Uncut oh, Gems. He's been in my. He was in Knives Out, mm -hmm. and he's always been like a supporting role. And yeah. I'm like, I wonder if he's gonna start to take off now yeah. in like leading roles. I hope he does because I thought he was Disney great. If Disney does a live action Princess and the Frog, he could totally be Doctor Facilier. And you know what? Yeah. That's so Maybe funny. I'm only saying this because it like took place in New Orleans. No, I agree with you. No, that's really funny because when the movie first started, I was like listening to his voice, and I was like. He's got, like, a Dr. Facilier thing going. It was also, like, his vibe. Like, yeah. it could have just been the character, like, his costume yeah, and everything. Yeah, but I think he did it well. He did it well. Yeah, like, he, he did. Had, he, like, emanated, you know, like, emu whatever. Emulated. Emulated, <laughs> like, the, the personality well. Yeah, yeah so. I agree. And I, I like the story they did. I like how it wasn't just a family moves in and they're living with all these ghosts. Like, there was reason for all these yes. different people to be here. Yeah. And it was interesting, the whole story behind everything did and how they're looking for their 1,000th. Did yeah. Mr. Gracie ever find his wife? No, because she's in the beyond. Oh, yeah. And he she's needs to go And there. she's happy. Mm -hmm. So she's not coming back. Kind of like... Uh, his wife. His wife. Yeah, his yeah wife. that was the whole connection. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I loved it. I thought it was I think, cute. I think it'll be perfect when it comes out on Disney Plus to watch around the holidays. I yeah. think you sandwich it right between, like, uh, Hocus Pocus and yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But, like I said, yeah, I think the whole family... Like, it's made for your whole family. Yeah. It's a little bit uh, it's spooky. It's a little bit funny. You know what I mean? Grim but Yeah. And I thought the CGI was pretty good. Too. Yeah. The Hatbox Ghost, aside from it oddly being Jared Little, I thought he looked cool. Yeah, it was really cool. cool. Yeah. I thought it was cool. Like, cool character. Yeah. yeah. And we'll look even, forward even to... Even though he was evil. <laughs> we'll look forward to him uh, making his way to Disney World. Yeah, too. I don't... Everyone keeps saying that he's supposed to be there soon because apparently... Was the Haunted Mansion under refurb when your family was just there? They said it was closed a couple of the days. Yeah, because... But... And everyone's like, oh my god, do you think that it's because the Hatbox Ghost is coming? And everyone's like, no, they were doing something with, like, the moving platform, right? Yeah. When you go on the ride, they were updating something with that Yo, but everyone's keeps i don't know we'll a see. lot of people are like really been out of shape about the havoc schools because like hold on i'm sorry there's a hair in my mouth you have a malachi hair it's yeah, probably one of I my think cats I um, a lot of people are upset though because like they i, I think they said that they're going to put the hatbox ghost um in front of the stretching hallway scene oh i want it in the ride yeah well no in the ride but like when, you, oh, when you're looking oh, down I'm the thinking hallway. the stretching room. No, okay. no, down yeah. the hallway, whatever it's called. But a lot of people are like, well, it doesn't make sense with the story of the ride because you're only supposed to see ghosts until mm -hmm. you pass yes, through Madame Leota's. Yeah. And that's before Madame Leota. So why are you seeing ghosts before then? I don't really think it's that big of a deal. But um, no, I, I, get, I, I, get, agree. I, get, I agree. And I think that um, I, the hallway scene is really cool and I don't want them to touch it. It well, it never really occurred to me until I read that. I'm like, oh, yeah, you don't see any ghosts yeah, until you pass through Madame Leota. Because they make a point to say, yeah. like, the Call in the, the spirits ghosts, wherever you're at. Yeah, yeah, but also, like, then they're like, the ghosts are, you know, feeling your sympathetic vibrations and they are starting to materialize. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think well, because in Disneyland, he is after... He's at the end of the ride, I thought, right? He, he's just before you go into the attic. He's right between the attic and um, the dining room where they're all dancing and everything. Uh -huh. You're like, your doom buggy turns and he's like standing there and then you go into the attic. Yeah. So, I don't know why they can't just do it there, but. I don't know. Yeah. What is there? Nothing. There's nothing there. You're it's right. Just There's blank. just like a picture or something like yeah. on a wall. 
right. Well, this isn't part of the movie anyways. Yeah. So yeah. Can, yeah. Any other thoughts on the movie before we move on? Um, I just thought it was good. I loved it. I kind of want to go see it again. I might ask my nephew to go with me. You should. I don't, know, I don't know if he'd be scared or not, though, because he's very easily scared. He might be, but I feel like he'd get over it. Yeah. We watched the fun. trailer, and he seemed intrigued when I watched the trailer with him. So. Okay. But yeah, I loved it. He could I'm, use a little scared. I'm a big Haunted Mansion fan anyway, so it's that's... your favorite ride, and she yeah. has to ride alone always. Yeah. <laughs> always. It's right. just so, so cozy. <laughs> Anyways. Well, that was Haunted Mansion. That before was Miracle <laughs> yeah, 34th Street. So next, to, all right. So here's here. I'm I'm making an executive decision here. Oh, oh wait, he's no, saying for, it to me. Wait, like, are you saying? You. Wait, we forgot to mention what I noticed. Oh yeah, yeah. Why don't you tell that briefly? What you what you watch on our behalf? So when I was looking for Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street on Disney Plus, you know they have a section like new to Disney Plus. They have one, two, three, six new shorts. Mm-hmm. Are they are they actually new? No, because they're from 1932, 1938, 1939, 1934, 1943, and 1939 that was this, those 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 ducks are assholes. They suck. They're so. We and it didn't see and it. it. It didn't even end with them like being good ducks. They were still no. assholes. Assholes and Donald is like bye. Like get no. out of here. They're never good. They're, They're never good. Assholes. Yeah, like at the end because Donald is like his sister sent. She's like, oh, I'm sending you like your nephews to visit you. And they were just jerks to Donald the whole time. And then he was trying so hard to, like, get them to calm down and, like, listen and be good. And no matter what he did, they just wouldn't listen. And you would think, like, at the end, they would finally listen and be, like, all happy. But no, they were still jerks. And Donald's like, get the fuck out of here. Go back to your mom. Bye. And that's how it ended. And his house was destroyed. Are you telling me in the short we actually meet Donald's sister? No. Okay, because that is a thing. Like, they're... Yeah, no, okay. he, you just see the letter from the sister. She, oh, like, okay. sends a postcard, and right as he reads it, the postcard, they just walk through the door. Well, unfortunately for all these shorts, they exist in the 30s, and we are in season two. We moved on. We're in the 40s. Yeah, so, so we're not ever... Decade. There's Can't all happen. these Barnyard Olympics, Donald's Nephew, Goofy and Wilbur, Mickey Steamroller, Flying Jalopy, and Donald's Cousin Gus. Well, by all means, everybody listening to this, they can go watch them. Tell me how they are, because I, I ain't going back and watching Donald's these. Cousin Gus looked a little weird, because Gus... Gus stuck. Gus was... Gus literally looked like a goose. Like a white goose. Like the neck... His Maybe neck his was cousin so... cousin Goose, and they pronounce it Gu- That's what... I know. I should... I kind of want to watch it just to see. Well... What was supposed to be next last time is uh, Fun and Fancy Free, and then after that, Melody Time. But here's the deal. Those two films are two of these package films with Mm -hmm. it's basically just a bunch of shorts that make up a film. I actually have seen Melody Time. I owned it on VHS. The only... I'm remembering From what I gather, the only notable thing about Melody Time is Pecos Bill. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not enough for me to go watch it. What's Melody Time? It's... It's like a collection of shorts, right? It is, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're not watching a movie that's just a bunch of shorts, and now are you we? Underst- well, now you understand why I'm making an executive decision here and saying no. Okay, good. Um, so instead, we're going to jump to the one that's after those two, and it's uh, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Yeah! I knew you would like it. Yeah. I knew I'm you- excited. I never, I never watched s- it. Oh, me either. Yeah. No. Me neither. 
Ooh. I don't think any of us have watched it. No. Michael and Alex included. Yeah, no, so. they definitely haven't watched it. So that's, Sorry, Michael and Alex. Yeah, <laughs> and looking at my list, that's it for the package film. So from here on out, it's only actual You films. might need to update your list because oh, Disney probably added more stuff on, apparently. You know, I have a separate list of things that they've added. Because, like, what, there's um, a website that tracks, like, what's new to Disney+. Plus. Where's this? Were these shorts <laughs> on there? I look yet. But I'm going to go in and look for the months that I missed and see what's on there. Because, yeah, stuff gets added from all years and That's it fucks so me up. weird. Yeah. It's like they don't know we do this. It's It'll like, make it easy for it's us. It's annoying because when we made this list originally, it, like, made sense. It was chronological. They had a section for the shorts. Like, it was a whole... It was very organized. Well, this ain't even my list. <laughs> I know. But, like, it was very organized when we started. And now all hell is broken loose. <sighs> They, they took that playlist down and, like, never they, forgive them for that. Frank, I'm depressed and ashamed that they yeah, took it down. Yeah, it's undermining. It is. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so from here on out, it's only regular films. <gasps> no. I feel like you say this every week, though. No, but I'm, I mean it this time. <laughs> I mean I it. They won't fool me again. Okay. I, I now know, unless... None of us have seen uh, Ichabod and Mr. Toad. If that's package film, I'm sorry, I don't know. What to tell I you. don't think it is. I okay. think I don't think so. Wow! And we're gonna do it right. And it's like now. It's like the middle of August, so it's gonna be right around spooky yeah, season. That's right. Oh, is Toya. that a, is it a spooky movie? Well, Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Well, headless Ichabod Crane is like the headless horseman. Like the story is. Oh, I had like, no he's idea. He's not the headless horseman, but like yeah. yeah. I had no. And is this like Mr. Toad? Like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride? You bet your ass it is. <gasps> oh my god! I don't even know his backstory. This is so exciting. I know. Have you never seen the Johnny Depp Sleepy Hollow movie? Do nope. you know anything about Sleepy Hollow? No. What the fuck, Hillary? <laughs> well, that's for next time. <laughs> I know nothing. <laughs> You don't know anything about the Headless Horseman, so like when you go to the Halloween party and you see the Headless Horseman <laughs> running like, down wow, the street, that means nothing to you. I'm You're just like, like, damn, there's a Headless guy. That guy got no head. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Wow. Wow. Okay, well hopefully it'll make more sense to you next we time. We should take her... To Sleepy Hollow? I want to go. We should take her to like Blaze this year in Sleepy Hollow. Blaze is pretty cool. Oh, I thought I you think meant like, like Blaze it. Pizza. And no. I was like, I love Blaze. <laughs> I think no. there too. No, I mean... but it's like a, it's a pumpkin thing. It's like all these like, like, you would really like it. Let's go. We should go. It's a plan. Let's go for Alex's birthday. <laughs> We're going to go. I'm going to plan it because I get emails from them all the time. And it then, is fun. And then we could go. We could make the whole day. We could even stay overnight if we yeah. really want to. We could do a weekend trip because they have, um, we could go. like, yeah. I hope you're all I excited to, book to hear it this now. as we are. <laughs> I have to book it now. Okay, book it now. So I'm going to book it. Like, I'll go home and book okay, it Okay, pick a weekend. I get home from Disney on the 2nd. Okay. On my mom's birthday. Cool. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. So also, keep your eye out on YouTube because Hills is going to the Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween party. Where can they find that, Hills? Um, On We Went to Disney on YouTube. YouTube.com slash at... We Went to Disney? Official... I don't know. I it's just we went to Disney official. That's yeah. that's the S. Oh, I had no idea because I just type in we on YouTube and we automatically yeah. pop up because I search us so much. I'm yeah. subscribed, so I don't. Yeah, just me type too. Anything. I'm yeah. subscribed as well. You should be too. Go subscribe to us. Yeah, for it. <laughs> what? Where's it's, that from? It's from Impractical Jokers. Oh, I love Impractical Jokers. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of cool stuff up on there. Like we, the three of us. Yeah. What did you got? Old Key West, our room upgrade. Oh that was god, awesome. That was oh like, my god. What the fuck, Malachi? <laughs> did you just fall off the chair? You just fell off the chair. Aww, right, my walk baby. It, walk it off, bud. <laughs> yeah, our old Key West upgrade. That was the best day of my life. That's yep. up there now. Roundup Rodeo Barbecue. Oh my god, I love that restaurant. I'm a going lot there again. Of cool stuff. So go on YouTube, look for We Went to Disney. 
And that's all the time we have, so it's a goodbye from... Hills. Oh, yeah. And Dan, and of course... Thanks for listening to our web talk. 